Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, July 3rd, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. Hello. And (laughs) Stephanie Cook. Bip, bip. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) All right, we're back for another show. Uh, For those of us in the States, uh, you may be listening to this. Happy Fourth of July! Happy in Independence Day! Mm-hmm. Uh, Belated Happy Canada Day! For- yeah, well, I was going to say we uh, are about to celebrate a real holiday uh, oh, earlier hey, this week. I uh, get to celebrate both. Uh, Stephanie celebrated uh, a fake holiday. What is Canada Day, Stephanie? Yeah, um, basically, it's a celebration of maple syrup, <laughs> and wow. um, we all just gather in various, like you know, big locations. And um, there's bands playing, and basically all of these locations just have, like, overhead, you know, sort of sprinklers, and they just, you know, pour maple syrup on people, and we dance and have pancakes. And ribs. <laughs> pancakes no, not and ribs. ribs. Get out of here. You don't know what you're talking about. There was a big rib festival going on. I was there, man. Well, that's rib fest. That's a different thing. That is not Canada Day. <laughs> it happened on Canada Day. Yes, but that is not Canada Day. Be quiet. Right, we have hot dog eating at Though, Nathan's in Brooklyn. It doesn't make Fourth of July a hot dog holiday. What does exactly. Canada Day celebrate, Stephanie? It celebrates Canada. It's just Our in country. general. <laughs> yes, it celebrates you know Britain Junior, <laughs> and um, you know our independence from them, them people. So it, it so it is your Independence Day. Yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah. Not, counting- not quoting. I'm probably wrong. I'm probably yeah. no. <laughs> Stephanie's a liar. Yeah. I like my maple syrup one better though. It, it I was celebrated the- with Captain Canuck yesterday. I don't know what that is. It's a comic book hero, and he's like a legit hero. Nathan Fillion's cosplayed as him before. Okay. So that but must make him legit. Changes yeah. everything. It changes everything. It does. It's totally legit. Mm-hmm. But they have a new web series that just started yesterday. CaptainCanuck.com, y'all. <laughs> and it was like hey. it was actually so much fun it was really cool um if anyone watched lost girl um paul amos yeah paul amos and chris holden reed were there because they voiced characters and laura vandervoot for from like smallville she plays supergirl oh okay gotcha she wasn't there but like she also voices one of the characters and then tatiana maslani from uh orphan black she also voices a character too so the web series just launched and it's really good we watched the first one yesterday and it was really cool so did you have fun on canada today i did at first i was like i'll try and do like more low-key things with friends or just go to like fireworks in a park but the silver snail is right downtown at young and dundas and i kind of forgot like i mean i was like yeah i'll show up at the silver snail it'll be great and then you know i get off the 
uh, subway and Young and Dundas is basically like Toronto's Times Square. And then I was like, oh my God, who convinced me to come downtown today? This is horrible. There are so many people. Uh, but it turned out to be fun once I, you know, got inside and was served some alcohol. <laughs> it was great. What is right, Captain I, Canuck's origin? This I want to hear. Um, I don't honestly know. The guy who created him, Richard Crowley, uh, he was there and he gave an awkward speech. And um, I don't know. I, it, it's, it's a lot of fun, though. I mean, he has comic books, but they they just ran this uh, mm-hmm. Indiegogo campaign for the web series. And it's kind of like this cool animated series that they put together. It's kind of anime-ish almost. So... Mm-hmm. I don't really know much about the character, uh, to be uh, honest. But. I remember the books coming out years mm-hmm. and years ago. Uh, you know, bitten by a radioactive beaver or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I don't there's know. A, there's a Captain Canuck set inside of Tor. There's, oh, really? And, and, yeah, we could maybe pull it off the shelves. Oh, right. Well, do a reading. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. seriously really cool. Like, the video, I highly recommend you checking it out. It's, like, silly. Right, but it's the animation is awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, a friend, like, did the redesigns of the whole thing, and it... Just really cool. They kind of updated and made the characters more modern. Edgy. So. Dark. Yeah. But they're really cool. So I think you should all go look. CaptainCanuck.com. should really just be .ca. Yeah, I was, like, was going to ask about that. I made a joke about that last night, but no one else thought it was funny. Womp womp. Yeah. We do. That's Thank all you. that counts. Thank you. You're welcome. So that was all a right. thing. All right. So Canada Day. Does anybody have any big plans for Fourth of July? I do not. You do not? I'm going to watch Jaws tomorrow. As we, well, mm. you got to. It's 4th of July. I think I'm going to have a comic reading binge. Oh. So I, it's like any other yeah, day. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> <a little> normal. <laughs> it's a normal day. But I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to lock myself in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bolt the door. And just... You're not going to a Captain America party? Yeah. No, but I am wearing a Captain America shirt right now. So you I'm are. celebrating early. I'm hardcore. I have a Man of Steel shirt on. So, I mean, does that count for anything? Well, the movie Man of Steel? Yeah, as gotcha. part of like the promo thing, I got one of the shirts, but I couldn't find anything when I was going to the gym today, so I just put this on. So I'm promoting a movie I didn't really like, but I don't right. care. It doesn't matter. That's that's what the the swag stuff is for. You wear yeah. it to go to the gym, you wear it to go to bed. Exactly. I have a Star Wars shirt I got with that Blu-ray set that I would never wear. We call public. them night shirts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So you like it? Yeah, it'll make a really good night shirt. Yeah. yeah. And then eventually you get some holes in it, you can dust with it. You yeah. know, wash dishes and <laughs> yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Who's gonna can... paint the roof? Me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't really paint roofs and I live in an apartment, so that's probably not a thing, but whatever. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Uh, dude, like Tom Sawyer. Can't. You know, go paint a fence. Yeah. All right, so that's enough of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to talk about roofs more? No, maybe? no. Uh, Roof, roofies. Hypo- hypothetically painting roofs is not uh, an engaging topic of conversation. You don't uh, know. Yeah. So uh, let's move on to a little bit of the news. Uh, actually, before we get to that, just so you guys know, I, I, we mentioned it last week, but just to reiterate, uh, for the next two weeks after this show comes out, uh, I'm actually going to be away uh, shooting a documentary in Israel. So we are going to have two weeks uh, where I'm not going to be here to record the podcast. Uh, we are there are going to be podcasts for you guys. Uh, one of them is going to be a, a, a segmented show. Uh, we I talked to Bob the other day. We did a history of the Fantastic Four. You'll hear that. We're going to have a listener feedback section and a, a sort of pseudo book of the week section as well. So you'll get that next uh, next week, and then the week after that. 
Uh, we are going to be doing a uh, little talking comics radio theater. Uh, we're going to be reading two stories from the original uh, Captain Marvel Shazam uh, origin stories. The first story from Wiz Comics number two and the first story from Captain Marvel Adventures number 18, which is the first appearance of Mary Marvel. So if you guys want to look those up and check them out before uh, two weeks from now, you can do that. But uh, So that's what we got coming to you guys in uh, the next two weeks. So on to more uh, current news. So uh, we record this on Tuesdays, and it's uh, July 2nd right now. So Image Expo is going on right now, and there have been a sort of slew of announcements Ooh. coming out. Uh, we have, first of all, we have a new book, uh, from Matt Fraction. Uh, it's called, uh, it's called, well, it's spelled O-D-Y dash C, so it's Odyssey. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, it's the second adaptation of the Odyssey at Image Comics. Uh, he, the, it's, the art is done by Infinite Vacations Christian Ward. Fraction has gender swapped the traditional roles of the characters in his story, so as to give a Ulysses role model to his daughter. Oh, nice. Mm. Uh, Stephanie, what do you think about Matt Fraction uh, take on the Odyssey? I mean, it's a classic, right? Mm. And I don't think no one else has adapted it in comic form. Have they in any form? Uh, they any might form? have. I don't know. This. Well, um, nothing big, at least. Nothing I know of. Um, I mean, yeah. yeah, exactly. That, that could definitely be cool. I mean, What's there not to love about it? Not fraction. <laughs> um, I think that says it all. Gets yeah. more people to read Homer. What yeah. the heck? I mean, we and we still don't know. Like, ex I don't know if this, there's very little details about it, so we don't know if it's going to be set in you know, ancient times or it's going to be more modernized or not. The only thing we know is that it is gender swapped, and Met Fraction is going to be writing that book. Uh, Steve, you have any uh, comments about it as you finish your gummy lightsaber? <laughs> Gummy lightsaber? I yeah. am I am oh. sugar sugar crushing it today. Uh, yeah. Uh I actually I saw the cover for it earlier today mm -hmm. and I love the tagline. It was something about um the big the biggest trip is the one you take home or something yeah, to that extent. It's wow. a little blurry. The heaviest trip is uh, the one back home. There you go. Mm -hmm. Um I it sounds cool. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of the gender swap idea just to kind of change things up a little bit. Yeah. And uh it's been a while since I've heard the Odyssey, so to have it retold and retold by Matt Fraction, I'm definitely down for that. Uh, another big creator, uh, Jason Aaron, is having a book come out from Image mm -hmm. uh, with art by Jason Latour, who did the art on the uh, post Brubaker run on Winter Soldier, and it's called Southern Bastards. Uh, Aaron stated that he filled it with characters he can torture for years and give us the high <laughs> concepts Dukes of Hazard by the Coen brothers on, menth, on meth sorry on meth wow. or the Untouchables meets Boss Hog the main bad guy is the local high school football coach he buries lots of bodies in the end zone and under the bleachers Aaron describes it as a very collaborative book between two southern bastards. Release date is early 2014. Steve, you're a big Jason Aaron fan. What do you think of this? I think that sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think it sounds really cool. Mm. It almost sounds like a uh, a plot to like a 90s like teen horror flick mm. in the a faculty. way. Kind of like a like a disturbing behavior yeah. type thing of the faculty. Mm -hmm. You know, I see this on FX like two years out. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it sounds like fun. I saw that's funny. All this image news just about two hours ago. I was looking mm -hmm. over uh, some websites and I saw a couple of these things, and it's just 
more cool things to look forward to, especially starting to hear about some stuff coming in the new year. We're already, you mm-hmm. know, we're only in the first of July or whatever it is. Yeah. The fourth, fifth, third. Whatever. But the first our, week of July. First, there we go. It covers everything. <laughs> yeah. So the first week in July, and we're already hearing about things we can look forward to next year, which is awesome because then I won't have to include them in my best of the year list, but my <laughs> looking forward to mm-hmm. in 2014 mm-hmm. list. And Stephanie, what did I you- I like how what that's did, what you're- you know, worried about. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to plan in advance. <laughs> what do you think I, about this? I think this, this sounds awesome too. Okay. Cool. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of cool announcements and I'm mm. sure we're getting to them, but most of what's coming from image and specifically getting announced at image expo, like what? <laughs> awesome. Uh, another book, uh, Rick Remender has a book coming up with, um, Oh, sorry. Ooh, where are we? Oh, Matteo Scalera, uh, called Black Science. Uh, it's uh, this is a description for Black Science number one. Former meta, former meta. Uh, my my mouth is not working. Former mm-hmm. member <laughs> of the anarchist order of scientists, Grant McKay, has finally done the impossible. He has deciphered Black Science and punched through the barriers of reality. But what lay beyond the veil was not epiphany, but chaos. Now Grant and his team are lost, living ghosts shipwrecked on an infinite ocean of alien worlds, barreling through the dark realms, long forgotten, ancient, and unimaginable. The only way is forward. The only question is, how far are they willing to go to get back home? Hmm. What do you think of this one, Bob? Very dark. Yeah. <laughs> it's the dark version of sliders, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's with tentacles for arms. I'm looking at the cover here. Yeah. It looks really creepy, Lovecrafty, and weird. Sounds like an image book. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, actually, looking at that uh, logo, that's a 70s uh, science fiction paperback. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, it very much looks like that. Or it looks sort of like that, uh, you know, the covers of the 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 books that uh, George McFly is reading in, yeah. in um, <laughs> the first Back to the Future movie. Uh, definitely very cool. Stephanie, you chimed in at first when I first mentioned the, the title. Are you excited about this? Yeah. Duh. Sorry. It does sound really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, it there's a lot of really good things coming out of Image, and I've been a fan of, you know, the original things from them for a while now. So, mm-hmm. fuck you. Now, are these minis or ongoings or? Uh, not all of them say. I'm pretty sure. I suspect. Oh, sorry. Sorry, no, Stephanie, go ahead. I was gonna say, like, I suspect that most of the time they start off as minis. Like with Image, because unless you're like a really big deal, like, I mean, even Free Tal was supposed to just be a mini and then it got announced as an ongoing. I think it's one of those things where they test the waters. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it seems like from the way that Jason Aaron was talking about Southern Bastards that it was going to be an ongoing because he said for years he could torture these characters for okay. years. So I'm assuming that's what that means. The other ones it does not say, I'm, I would assume just from the sort of premise of the Matt Fraction book that it, w- it would be at least have a set number of issues, but... Who knows? I mean, yeah. the amount of stuff you can do with, with that story and that sort of epic scope, you never know. Uh, speaking of Fatal, uh, Ed Brubaker uh, announced a collaboration with Steve Epting uh, yeah. called Velvet, which is a new series with his Captain America partner, Steve Epting. He described the book as an espionage flavor, flavored similar to their cap work, but more grounded and twisted. The idea is one the writer has been planning for eight years and looking for an artist for as long. Epting joined discussions on the book five years ago, and since then, the writer was waiting for the artist to finish out his Marvel-exclusive contract so he could draw the book. 
The story focuses, focuses on Velvet Templeton, a personal assistant to the world's largest intelligence agency in the vein of Money Penny from the James Bond films. She has to leave a desk job to go back into the field on the run from her own agents in the new series. Brubaker wrapped his description saying his book will be like a Bond or Mission Impossible movie to be mashed into a metatextual Cold War scenario. So, yeah, it sounds he very does, Brubaker. He, he does that best. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think, Steve? I'm down. down? I keep saying that. Uh, this is all good stuff. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing really to say other than here's my money. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. all these. Just take it. Yeah. All these ideas are really. They sound fresh. They sound cool, and uh, it's original content. So hooray for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you know, it's as much as I do love my series. I do love if we could add more things. Like what we have going on now with Saga and East of West, that we have these books that have their own worlds, mm-hmm. and we can create more of those. That's I'm all for that. That's great. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's how Image is going to have to get more market share without the mm-hmm. big toys to play with. They yeah. need to yeah. keep recreating the happy accidents yeah. that get them all these great books over and over again. Seems like they're on a good roll here, though. Yeah. Too. It also well, sounds they're like, like oh, they're like my breath of fresh air from Marvel and DC. <sighs> they're just so not necessarily all fun, but it's just great to read new things mm-hmm. absolutely it's also like creators doing what they not i guess what they do best mm-hmm. like all the all the ideas attached to the writer or to the artist sounds like something that they would do or something mm-hmm. they've been waiting well, to tell for a while yeah they're creator-owned passion projects mm-hmm. yes so i mean all of these are pitched probably by you know the writer or the artist and therefore they're they're babies and they're gonna want to make these as good as possible so i mean yeah. <laughs> and what I like about them, too, is they have not, I think, succumbed to the the idea which I think Dark Horse, IDW, to some extent, and even Dynamite, to some extent, to better and to some good and some bad uh, results, try to create some sort of uh, connected universe between some of their properties. All of the other companies have at least tried to do some sort of crossover they brought together mm-hmm. whether it's you know the the sherlock holmes and the whatever and brought them all into one thing or uh obviously bob has been loving masks but this they've managed to keep all separate and very much not tried to boost i think sales numbers by bringing properties together under one umbrella if you could do it well, Valiant yeah. apparently does it well, but without the right characters, you can't find enough traction. Yeah, well, Valiant, I feel like those are already, that's meant to be a shared mm-hmm. universe, so that's created as such. Uh, that, I feel, that's always been their deal, you know, so that doesn't matter as much, but I feel like some like, I think The Prophecy was the name of the, I believe it was the, I, can't remember, I think it was the IDW event. Or, or it was the Dynamite. No, that was the Dynamite Dynam- one with Vampirella and Panther. Yeah, uh, all those. Yeah, yeah, and Sherlock Holmes was in yeah. it and stuff, and I read a couple issues of that, and it just didn't didn't seem natural, didn't seem to work for me. So uh, it's cool that they tend to keep themselves separate like that. Uh, in not so much new books news, but in progressive policy news, um, Image has announced that uh, their digital comics, such as Jupiter's Legacy, can, Jupiter's Legacy can be downloaded without the DRM that the likes of Comixology or iBooks employ. Uh, which means basically if you download their CBR or whatever version of the thing, much like the private eye is doing, you can take it anywhere, put it any device, read uh-huh. it with anything, uh, which marks a complete difference from all of the other major publishers going right now. Uh, Stephanie, as somebody who reads a lot of digital comics, what do you think about this? I mean, that doesn't really affect me too much. It's a cool 
um, concept. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, it's great for people who don't necessarily have iPads and other things. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, I mean, it's really easy for me to get my comics via iPad and Comixology. So that's not really an issue, but again, it's really cool to kind of make them more accessible for everyone else. Like Mm -hmm. Steve. Uh, you, wow. know, you know, but uh, the, the the thing about this, though, which makes it interesting <laughs> is that uh, unlike Comixology, you could, you, you know, you could be like, oh, Steve, you've got to read Jupiter's Legacy number one and they haven't read it. You can you can give him the file to read. You can send right. him the file. He can read it. And then if he wants to get it himself, he can get it. That uh, is a good feature. You know, that's awesome. And the fact, too, that, look, we, we saw what happened when... Uh, Marvel did that huge initiative on Comixology that crashed uh, mm. the service, and not only were you not able to get your com- th- those free books from Marvel, if you had books on there that weren't on your device, you couldn't download them either. Wow, I didn't know that. That's because the service awful. was totally yeah. was totally crashed; it just wasn't working. Uh, and, and God forbid something happened like that for a, a, a large chunk of time, and there's no way you can back up those files. There's no way. You, you can keep them on your person even though you're buying them and this changes that uh, quite a bit. Mm. Uh, so I think it, I think that is pretty cool. Um, Stephanie, was there any other image uh, expo news you wanted to cover? Because I know you've probably been following it pretty closely. I got one. Oh, you got one? Steve, go ahead. Um, the Walking Dead, I'm not entirely certain when, but The Walking Dead is changing to bi-weekly. For, oh, really? For a huge event. Mm. Um over the course of a year, it's going to, I think, oh no, over the course of seven months, hmm. it's going to be bi-weekly for like a huge dramatic to-do. Oh, so, wow. So uh, I'm not entirely certain when it starts, but you can be sure that you're going to hear a lot about it when it does. <laughs> so. Um, so, uh, and I think there was, some, there was some, you know, some of the creators came in and talk about the books that are already coming out. Uh but that's all the really the new the new stuff that's came out so far. It will obviously continue. We might have stuff that happens before after we finish recording this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a cool another cool note, digitally, uh, Comixology this week uh, just announced a, a really cool kind of much uh, asked for feature. Uh, one of which is now you can subscribe to books, so you can subscribe to Saga, and it will automatically download uh, the book the book when it's there. It purchases it, you know. You you lay the money right out, idea. and it sets it out, so you never miss an issue. It's on your device. Uh, it's especially good, I, I think, in some instances where where like Saga, we have a kind of a, a big a gap between when the last issue came out and when this new issue is coming out. So for someone to be able to, go, oh, they they open up their iPad, they have a alert that says Saga is downloaded and ready to read. They don't end up missing it if they're the kind of person that doesn't go to a comic shop and doesn't you know follow uh, that closely, which I think is a pretty cool. Uh, thing and the other thing about it too is they also introduced bundles for the first time so they're starting to sell mass collections of things at a discount and they'll tell you it'll be like oh this is 32 percent off it would be if you bought all of these things individually if you buy them as a bundle that's pretty awesome which is pretty cool um, gotta be very, yeah. yeah go ahead you got to be very aware of what you have on your your subscription list i would be sure like you just it's very easy to forget what mm. you're collecting that if it goes several weeks or several months without you reading something you want to make sure you don't keep paying for it if you don't want to keep reading it you know what i mean but that's yeah. that's up to mm-hmm. you yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely i'm also shocked that there hadn't been that subscription service before that just seems such a natural yeah lock people's money up yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does uh 
you know, it, it uh, they had this thing where you could get alerts when a new issue came out, but not not a subscription. Stephanie, what do you think about this? I don't think she thinks anything about she it. She doesn't think anything about it. She's just silent, <laughs> silent girl. I think we lost Stephanie. We definitely, we definitely lost Stephanie. The call was dropped. Oh no. <gasps> She's gone. All right. We're going to take a little break. We'll get Stephanie back and we'll come right back. All right. So we are back. Uh, Stephanie is not going to be rejoining us for the foreseeable future only because I had an internet outage in, in, in my house. And for the first time in about two years that has happened actually while we're recording, which that is a miracle in itself. Uh, so she will not be with us. Uh, hopefully my internet comes back on before we finish the show or before we are to record the next show. So you guys are going to hear in, in the next few weeks and she will be back on. But for right now, uh, she will not be joining us. The other problem with that too is all the news stories that we talk about, I get offline. So I'm going to have to try to remember the stuff. Oh God. That I, yeah. there was only, there was only one or two more stories that were picked up here. Um, one of them is that, uh, well, we, obviously, we have the big Infinity event coming up. We have the X-Men crossover event that, that's coming up. Uh, and usually, Dan Slott does some sort of summer like Spider-Man mini event. That isn't really a crossover. It just takes place in the Spider-Man book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe that is not happening this summer. Uh, but there is a rumor that we're going to be get a, get, get a Spider-Man uh, Venom story coming in the fall, written by Dan Slott. Uh, uh, Bob, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you think about that? Sure, why not? We have to start introducing the big villains again. Mm -hmm. So, uh, who's Venom at this point? Uh, Flash Thompson. Okay. So, he's not even really a villain. Villain, right. He's a a soldier at work for the military who, you know, he he has control of the Venom suit. Sometimes it goes out of control, but he's generally a good guy. So, it might even be more of a team-up than a Does he know Peter is Spider-Man at this point? Uh, No, he doesn't. I don't believe so. No. Uh which I don't quite understand because the symbiote, is, I guess, was supposed to would tell him that. Yeah. Uh, but because that's how Eddie Brock knows that uh, Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Because the sim- yeah, because the symbiote passes along that information to him. But I mean, again, this might have happened in the past. There might have been some sort of you know s- spell or you know. It is Marvel. After yeah, <laughs> rigmarole to to put it together. Uh, so I don't know, but Steve, you're a big fan of Superior Spider-Man. I am. Uh, would you be interested in seeing a Spider-Man? Venom crossover. I would. I'm a little um, iffy on it just because I haven't exactly loved the new Eddie Brock like milita- uh, militant Venom mm-hmm. type of thing. I tried reading some Venom tie-ins, I guess, over the last uh, year or so, a couple mm-hmm. months. And I mean, it's okay. I enjoy it. I don't. I'm not crazy about it. I really much preferred. Um, who was it? I guess uh, Sarah Pacelli's, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, okay, Brian Michael Bendis. Right. Duh. Brian, <laughs> Brian Michael Bendis's Venom Wars that just happened in Ultimate Spider-Man. In the Ultimate Universe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I loved. Mm-hmm. I thought was great. Yeah. I would love to see more of that, mm-hmm. but that's not what this is. Right. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, I like Superior Spider-Man enough, and I love Dan Slott enough that I will definitely tried out perhaps that if Dan Slott is writing the Venom character, I'll like it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am, let's say I'm hopeful. There's a lot coming out over the summer to be excited about. This will be on the, I hope it's really good and it's worth picking up list. Yeah. I'm just talking about it now. It may end up being that because he's not Peter anymore, because he is 
he is Otto and he's acting differently, that might be where the uh, conflict comes from mm-hmm. between those two characters because of that. The Flash is the world's biggest Spider-Man fan, exactly. or at least he always was, so he'll yeah, right. know right away. Yeah, well, that was my question, is. was yeah. how is that going to work? That part I'm very interested in seeing. Yeah. So we'll see what happens uh, there. Uh, so it seems, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, we talked about Vertigo and how it was mm-hmm. going away, and now uh, this week we got an announcement of six new titles uh, coming out uh, of Vertigo, as well as... Uh, I believe they said, I can't remember, is it November or October for the new Sandman title? They've announced that's when it's coming out, and its name is changed again now. It's the Sandman Overture. Uh, they released a little cover artwork by J.H. Williams, which that is cover art quite beautiful. Is beautiful. Yeah, it's quite beautiful, very colorful. Um, but the other books that they announced were Hinterkind which is decades after the blight all but wiped out the human race. Mother nature is taking back what's hers and she's not alone. All the creatures of myth and legend have returned and they're not happy. After her grandfather disappears, Prosper Monday must leave the security and seclusion of her central park village to venture into the wilds to find him unaware of how much the world has changed. An epic fantasy adventure set in the set in a post-apocalyptic world. Hinterkind is written by Ian Edgington and illustrated by Francesco Trifagli. And debuts this October. Yes, please. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. I have no idea who the two creators are, but I love the description. Mm. That sounds right up my alley. I'm wondering, is it Hinterkind? It might be Hinterkind, yes. Because it's very German. Kind would be children in German. Oh, okay. So that's probably, that is probably the, what it the is. The far children or something yeah. like that, I guess, would translate it. That would, that would definitely make sense. Uh, the second is The Discipline, launching this December. The Discipline is a dark, erotic thriller about a privileged young woman named Melissa who is thrust into a centuries-old battle between good and evil. She begins an affair with a mysterious man named Orlando, who opens her <laughs> eyes to a sexually sinister world Ooh. she never knew existed. Through this ritualistic seduction, uh, Orlando unlocks Melissa's inner power and then enlists her into a shadowy war that has been fought for centuries. The, discipli- the discipline comes, from, comes to you from writer Peter Milligan and artist Leo Fernandez. Saucy. Yeah. F- Fifty Shades of Grey with superheroes. Yeah. Huh. Why not? Uh... Peter Milligan's a pretty good writer, pretty interesting writer, pretty intense, dark writer. So we'll see what comes out. But my, my first thought is it sounds a little bit, yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, Vampire Diaries-ish. Ever since that uh, image book Sex, I've been very leery on books that use like eroticism as mm. their... As their they like they go fr- forward and front with that, right? So that's uh, the other one appeals to me much more that you read. This one's a little bit of a wait and see. Uh, actually, definitely a wait and see. <laughs> uh, Dead Boy Detective. This is the next one. Spinning out of the pages of Neil Gaiman's Sandman, yeah. two dead British schoolboys star in their own monthly series and solve crimes in the 21st century with the help of a new female yeah. accomplice. Premiering in November, Dead Boy Detectives is written by uh, noted British novelist Toby Litt with layouts and painted covers by Mark Buckingham from Fables. Zombie Hardy Boys. Yes. Yeah. I believe they were in that... Uh, they were in the Ghosts The Ghosts, uh, right. The, yeah, the Vertigo anthology that came out uh, a few months back. Yep. So that, that's pretty cool. Um, we have Suiciders hitting the spinner rack this December. This new series marks the incomparable Lee Bermejo's debut as an ongoing series comic book writer and artist. Uh, Suicider follows the lives of two futuristic boxers... One on top of the world, the other trying to fight and kill his way there. Set in Los Angeles after the big one, Suiciders is the wildly popular reality sport that contestants are literally dying to be part of. And to be the best, you have to murder the best. 
So it's very kind of Running Man, mm-hmm. uh, Hunger Games type deal. That's the least of them so far. Yeah, Lee Romero is a good, very good artist. Uh, Joker, Batman, Noel. Mm. Uh, he did the before oh, okay. Watchmen, Rorschach art. Very, very good artist, but the plot of it does not uh, appeal to me very much. Yeah. Been there, done that. Yeah, Coffin Hill. When she was 15, Eve Coffin summoned a darkness that had been buried since the Salem Witch Trials. Now Eve's back to harness the evil that destroyed her friends and is slowly taking over the sleepy town of Coffin Hill. This is a series full of magic, madness, and murder, be it a twisted family of New Englanders. Arriving in source this October, Coffin Hill combines the talents of artist Inaki Miranda, uh, Ferris, The Hidden Kingdom, with writer Caitlin Kittredge, a young dark fantasy author whose writing includes the Nocturne City, the Black London, and the Iron Codex series of novels, which included the recently published titles Dark Days and the Mirrored Shard. Hmm. That sounds spooky enough for Halloween. Yeah. You know, a little bit of a lock and key vibe. You know, yeah. weird little town, odd mm-hmm. things happening. I have yeah. my Salem Witch shirt on. You, you do. Bob yes, does have do. a Salem Witch Happy Fourth of July. July yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my couch shirt was in the wash. You know, what can I do? Uh, it sounds, that sounds cool to me. Uh, and finally, The Witching Hour. Just in time for Halloween, this anthology-style one-shot collects short stories exploring Warcraft, wi- Warcraft, witchcraft, uh-huh. written and drawn by some of the most talented veterans and newcomers in the business, including Kelly Sue DeConnick, Cliff Chang, Lauren Bukes, Emily Carroll, Matthew Sturges, Sean McManus, Tula Latte, and many more. Uh, yep. <laughs> I'm on that. Anthologies are great. That's the, I get, and the third of those that they've done now in the, in the last year... Um, and they released some of the covers, and the covers are uh, Hinterkind, Hinterkind uh, Coffin Hill, uh, The Witching Hour, uh, a bunch of them. So they release a bunch of covers. They all look really cool, and all seem very Vertigo-ish. Sweet. I'm glad <laughs> to. I'm really excited to see that they have more titles coming out. I seriously thought that they were just gonna hold on to whatever was out now, and it would slowly just disappear. But yeah, I mean, even if this isn't a you know, resurgence for the label. Mm-hmm. At least we're still getting a bit more of it before they decide exactly what's happening with it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, it's, um, it's all right in their wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. New creators, old creators, and they're sticking to their guns. They haven't decided to go all, either all science fiction, all mm-hmm. superheroes. They're doing Vertigo. Yeah. You know, good for them. Um, and I, I think a lot of this is buoyed probably, I mean, The Wake has been selling well for them, but also... I think there's going to be a lot of attention on that line when Sandman uh, comes out. So I think they want to have books yes. to be able yeah. to to have around that. And they, to be fair, I mean this this last uh, slate of DC books, there was a bunch of uh, Vertigo advertisements in there, very big ones too. So uh, hopefully we were wrong, and the line is going to be strong, and some of these will catch on. And I mean, I'm sure some of them won't, but if they get a couple more added to their roster, then all of a sudden you have a nice little group of books mm-hmm. to keep going. And if that line's healthy, people will start looking at it like image and they'll give like, you know, pretty much I think a lot of people are, I'll just, they'll just give any image number one a chance just because of the, what they've been doing lately. Right. And I think if they get, they, they can get to that same place. Uh, if they have those same kind of loose restrictions yeah. uh, on what, on what they put out and all these books, uh, the Peter Milligan one sounds the least interesting to me, but, uh, I'll definitely still read it to see how it is and, and give it a chance because who knows it might be great. Yeah, uh, and that's when the great that's that's the blessing and the curse of all books that are not based on uh, prior properties because you know if certain superhero books come out I'm gonna be like I don't really want I don't want to I don't care about this hero and I don't care really who's on the book unless it's somebody really amazing 
I'm I'm not even gonna check it out. But with something like this, it's I'm less likely to stick with it if it's not great. But I'm more likely to at least give it a chance because I have no preconceived notions about what what it's going to be. That's a very good way of putting it. That's exactly uh, <laughs> how I would put it. Cool. Now, um, should we say Marvel should now step up to the plate with something like this? You've got Image yeah. going great guns with a whole new set, slate yeah. of books. Now Vertigo coming back. Yeah. Do they need to bring back Epic? Could you go do some more creator stuff? Yeah. I mean, I it seems like to me, looking because I've been looking back on that stuff into their history, uh, it seems like they really haven't been focusing on that stuff since back in the Marvel Knights type days yeah. where they seemed to be trying to energize themselves creatively. So they were going all these weird directions and... You know, they had sort of those, you know, they had the Max line of stuff. That's when that stuff started, the Epic stuff. So I, I would love to see that stuff happen. Uh, even then, though, I mean, were there a lot of uh, new characters or was it more different takes on established Just characters? different, but you'd have people like Charles Vest doing painted Yeah, yeah, that stuff things. was right. very so impressive. So you could certainly go in that direction and just, okay, here's our artistic line of things. Yeah. Not necessarily do their vertigo, but something out of the regular. Yeah. Something like uh, when uh, Bendis did Alias, which was the uh, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage book, which was the Max book, Uh, but the the art in that is amazing, and a lot of that time, people like David Mack were doing a lot of stuff around Mm -hmm. there, very intense, very interesting art, uh, different stories. Yeah, that would be great to see uh, that kind of stuff, and I think it would draw, I mean, look at Garth Ennis, who's still doing Max books at Marvel, and most people don't even realize it. You know, so it, it keeps people around when you ha- they have yeah. those outlets who normally wouldn't even who wouldn't, normally wouldn't be there. Uh, yeah, I would love to see that absolutely. But of course, that means Marvel would be getting more of my money, <laughs> which after this week of books, money, 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 uh, is probably not needed because I spent an obscene amount of money on books this week. Uh, and so let's uh, let's talk about a few of them, oh. shall we? Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, why don't you start us out? Let's see. What do I have? I uh, actually. Well, I see you have the green team on top there. You just, I do. You just threw it away. Threw it away. <laughs> no, no. I dropped it on the floor. Yeah. There's a very large difference. Uh, I put it on the floor because I did not get to finish it. Okay. Um, I'm about halfway through the issue, and I'm still enjoying it. I feel like mm-hmm. it's been forever since mm-hmm. the last one. I know it's probably only been a month. A month, yeah. But uh, it's just one of those things where I think... I got spoiled by the, you know, as much as it was like, oh my God, you know, overload with mm-hmm. a lot of the Avengers titles and mm-hmm. such. Uh, I got kind of used to a publisher giving me a jump start on the beginning of a story. So now you have the exact opposite where a book comes out once a month mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, it's been so long. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I like it. I both, it's funny. We, we talked about it before that both, the movement and green team, just how oddly uh, marketed they were. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't help but think that people are missing out on these books just because of, of those weird covers and just the, all the hubbub that surrounded them. And I mean, it so far green team, it's not going to change the world or anything. It's not going to like blow your head off, mm-hmm. but it's certainly interesting and fun. Um, so it's it's a nice, you know, so far a very light read from mm-hmm. DC, but still has a lot of personality. I'm having a little mm-hmm. bit of a conflict with one of the characters, though, at the moment. Um, I can't remember her name, but it's she's the, the female, the actress mm-hmm. who's in the series. She she gets to be heroic in this issue for uh, for a, a fight sequence, if you will. And then once you know the fight is over, they seek refuge, and 
she pulls a very like heiress kind of thing to do where they show up at a hotel and she makes a series of not demands, but she asks the hotel for X, Y, and Z while she stays there. And it's just, it's such a, a wasteful, her character, she wastes things mm-hmm. big time. Like you don't need, you know, bottled spring water. Right. You don't need to bathe in, you know, <laughs> smart water, gallons mm-hmm. of it. You could just take a shower. Mm-hmm. No red M&Ms. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So in that regard, I'm I'm hoping that this is going to be one of those things that her, she's that character that turns around mm-hmm. in the story that she might have had her moment. She might have felt, you know, she might have done some heroic things and so on and so forth. But then she kind of reverted mm-hmm. back to her posh whatever. Right. Um, I'm hoping, because I do like her character, I'm hoping that that's something over time she'll kind of leave that persona behind her. So anyway, so that's just what I was reading just mm-hmm. before. Um, I'm assuming you'll talk about Lazarus. We can talk about it now. It's not okay. my book of the week, so we can talk about it. Um, I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good, but I thought it was very brief. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the the tone of it very violent mm-hmm. very violent but uh it's rucka i like rucka's overall voice and i like the idea of this killing machine having uh very much a conscience about what she's doing mm-hmm. and the idea that whoever is in charge of the organization that sends her on her missions there it looks like it appears like they're trying to deprogram her or strip her of her emotions so they could just use her as a killer and no matter what they do uh she keeps on having feelings and sympathies and things and regrets about what she's doing she's questioning her orders Mm -hmm. and she's not supposed to do that but considering what she is it's uh it's intriguing Mm -hmm. but it's weird because half the book is comic and story and then for a good six pages, it's uh, I guess background and which I did not get to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe that sheds more light on what's going on. Oh, it's the talking about the Rucka stuff, like the yeah. rights. It's not really a background on the events of the comic. It's the background on the creation. Okay. of the comic. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it just it it cut the it cut the comic in half, mm-hmm. which for a number one issue, it was it was just very it was very short, mm-hmm. and it was enough because of the writer. To keep me going, I don't know that it would be enough for somebody who wasn't a Rucka fan who picked it up and you know read the book and then halfway through, not halfway, but a little bit more than halfway. I think it was <laughs> still it's still about I think it's still a full issue of a comic just with that stuff added onto the end. Well, there was a lot of art. Yeah, there was a lot of like there was a big fight sequence mm-hmm. and that took up a lot and just seeing what she was about mm-hmm. was a good, you know, six to eight pages of yeah. setup versus a little bit of an explanation and, and directive mm-hmm. and then cut. Yeah. So it was, it felt to me more like an, like an extended trailer than mm-hmm. a first issue for a story. Um, but all the same, very cool, mm-hmm. you know, slick artwork, uh, very bloody, very dark, but, I mean, it's it's a looks like it's going to be a real gritty story. So yeah. I mean, what could you you know? Yeah. What do you expect? Uh, it uh, it's a very you know it's it's a slightly near future, uh, not quite dystopian, but uh, not a very nice future. <laughs> where but the thing about it though is it feels very. 
as unlikely as it is, it feels like it could be likely because it's very much the separation of classes. The rich are so rich and so powerful that everyone else is just kind of left in their, you know, in their wake and to pick up the scraps. And there's very, very rigid caste system. And there are these very rich families that they have one person who's kind of genetically bred to be their protector. Hmm. And this Carlisle family, her, uh, their protector's name is forever. Her name is forever. Carlisle, uh, and she has to do some horrible things in, 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 in the name of her family. And what's interesting about the story is that it throws you in immediately, kind of right in the middle of, of the action. I mean, the first page of the book is basically is her dead, basically. Uh, and it goes from there. It doesn't flash back. It goes on from there. But, uh, you know, and it's very uh, precise and, and very technical about, the you know, the, the, he's explaining the way the bullets... Are hitting her, yeah, and the way the sledgehammer is breaking whatever bone and all this stuff, right. very much akin to what he did in the Punisher a lot of the time with, with, with the treatment of that violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then we move on and we start to see that she is in the middle of this moral kind of quandary, uh, and you get some cool uh, parallels between not cool but very in depth parallels between her and her the way her she defines family and her family defines family and the way that right. the regular people define it a great mm. scene with a, a guy who is willing to sacrifice his life for his family uh and question and he calls into question what she believes about about her life right uh the the highlight i thought it was good i think it was a good first issue it didn't blow me away as far as uh the events that happened but it, it establishes a world very nicely. It doesn't spend a lot of time, much like which I, much like Saga did in a lot of ways. Not a lot of time explaining what world you're in. Right. This is the world you're in. You're gonna figure it out through the characters as we move along through it, which I like. Uh, my favorite part, about it, though, which unexpected to me because of how much I love Greg Rucka, I loved the art. Uh, there are some very complex emotions happening in this, and you're able to read her emotions just by her face without the word bubbles. Right. You could understand the stripe she was going through. If you blocked out the word bubbles and read it, I feel like, and looked at it, I feel like you could understand the emotional journey she's going through. And it's subtle too. It's not big moments. It's that subtle look off, you know, saying you're okay, but your face is betraying that, those words. Uh, So I'm really looking forward to see where it goes. Uh, It's not one of those first issues that completely like bowled me over. But mm. I, I think it's really solid and is a really good indicator of where we're going to go from here. Nice. Yeah. And um, if anybody's interested, we had Greg Rucka on the show mm. uh, a couple months back. And he talked about Lazarus uh, quite a, you know, for quite a bit, basically yeah. his, his research and his writing mm. process. So if you're interested in that, you mm. can always go back. It was a hell of an interview. Uh, yeah. One of my personal favorites that we've done on the show. Yeah, Greg's awesome. So... Um, so this past week, I was actually I was visiting Canada and brought a whole bunch of stuff with me. And ever since Man of Steel, I've been uh, catching up on Superman stories mm-hmm. because I haven't read enough mm-hmm. and I want to. So one of the major ones that had always come up that I borrowed from uh, our friend Lauren is Superman Red Sun. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- it's one of those things that I kind of appreciated it more after I read it. This was one of those books that... Everybody tells you to read. Mm -hmm. Everybody's, uh, you know, not everyone, but a vast majority of people that responded to my tweets and stuff uh, were coming back to me saying that this was their absolute favorite Superman story. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed it. It was a great read. It was 
uh, for people that don't know, it's very much a it's it is an Elseworlds mm-hmm. story, yeah. kind of a what if what mm-hmm. if Superman grew up in Russia and became uh, you know leader of the Soviet Union, so on yeah. and so forth. Uh, it gets it gets better as you keep going. It's got some really really great character moments. Uh, I wouldn't put it at the top of my list. I think so far my my list of Superman books would be For All Seasons, Birthright, and then Red Sun. Mm. But uh, just because I don't I I don't can I think it's a great other Superman book. Like it's the coolest outside of a origin mm-hmm. or superman doing his normal fare yeah that i've ever read so in that regard it's the best that i've mm-hmm. read but um it wasn't it's not traditional superman no. for me mm-hmm. but still great still very still very happy that i read it who did um, the art on that again i forget this was uh written by mark millar and art by dave johnson mm-hmm. so um very very cool if you want you know, it exists very much to be a different uh, yeah. Superman story, and that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Did you notice how much the chest emblem on there looks like what Zod is wearing? It does look a lot like Zod's emblem. Yeah, really yeah, if does. you look at the Russian symbol on yep. his chest, yeah, it's a really cool story. You know, and it, it it isn't. You know, I don't think it's. If you want the story that defines Superman, like Steve was saying, I don't think Red Sun is it. No. Uh, but I think it takes a very cool look at. The constants of Superman, in the nature versus nurture kind of argument that could be made, mm-hmm. and the things that he still has a lot of those things that he always had, even in the other stories, right. just with with a slightly different philosophy, he goes about them in a different way, and I really like that. I love the relationship with Batman. Yeah, I think that stuff is really cool. I like the way they the complex stuff with Wonder mm-hmm. Woman. Um, I love that. I love that moment where he sees Lois. Yeah, and there's that very poetic, very romantic voiceover that uh, you know says basically in another life, in another world, you know, they would she would be my everything and whatever it was. But but that was great, and I love the way it loops around at the end, how the ending loops back to the beginning, yeah, which I thought absolutely. was very cool. I mean, it was a total blast, yeah. to to read. So I just I didn't know I knew absolutely nothing about it going into it. I didn't mm. know. That it was an Elseworld story. I didn't know that it was going to be Soviet Union, yeah. and people were going to be playing different roles. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. So uh, very left field. Very cool though. Um, two more real quick. I I really really I did the I read the uh, <laughs> wrote the review for it on the website mm-hmm. if you want to check it out. But Age of Ultron book ten AI very long title for a very good book uh, written by Mark Wade, one mm-hmm. of uh, becoming a Another uh, can join the Jeff Lemire yeah. of Talking Comics podcasts <laughs> of people that we mentioned. Need to join the, the drinking game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's pretty much in my in my estimation when I read it, it was reintroducing Hank Pym to the Marvel Now universe and just a really really nice uh, cool story. You get his childhood, his middle years, uh, how he came to build Ultron. It just mm. if if you've enjoyed Hank Pym in the past, you'll love this. If it's if he's a brand new character for you, you just started, you know, reading Marvel, you're not too familiar with him. This is a really, really great uh, mm-hmm. reimagining for right now, for where we are in the story with him and the whole Ultron business. Just really cool, and it has a lot of heart to it. And you you get to see a character basically lift themselves up from a very, very dark place and find purpose and meaning again in their abilities and what they can do. 
And it's very uh, in the midst of all this Age of Ultron death, destruction, dark days crap. It was a very hopeful, very bright issue by mm-hmm. the end and really, really restored my, I guess, fervor for this whole thing. I thought it was the best issue in like out of everything in the event that if it gave us this issue, mm-hmm. I'm glad the event happened because oh. I liked it that much. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was really great. And I, it makes me sad that he's not writing a Hank Pym Ant-Man <laughs> ongoing series because he does the same exact thing in this issue that he does in Daredevil number one, yep. which he goes, yeah, all this horrible crap has happened It's and it's affected the character and we're not, we're not brushing it aside. It's not going away. But we're not, so we're not going to change the events. We're going to change the perspective of the person the events are happening to. Mm-hmm. And he basically has Hank go, that's it. That's enough. I'm tired of people saying and having me believe, believe myself that I'm worthless. You know, he's like, that's my, my problem my entire life is that all the mistakes I've made, I've made because I felt inconsequential and I feel like I needed to make a mark, you know, and, and this is about him breaking away from that. And there's some really emotional stuff when he's a kid and he has this, I think it's his grandmother, I believe. Yeah. Kind of teaches him to. Use, she's a writer. And teaches him to use his imagination in in his in his science. Mm. And when 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 she ends up inevitably passing away, it's a very emotional moment for the character. Mm-hmm. And it happens in the first six or seven pages, but you're already in. You're already there. Um, and by the end, his kind of speech about who he's going to be and why he's going to do what he's going to do. Uh, I, I thought it was it was fantastic, and I would love to see I love to see him smiling and doing like superhero stuff yeah. as as Ant Man and Giant Man. It was really fun. Well, they've spent so many years doing bad things to him, and yeah. it's some very good writers. It's yeah. been a long time doing bad things mm. where he couldn't figure out. Well, he, is he Giant Man, Ant Man, Goliath, Yellow yeah. Jacket, yeah. the Wasp? Well, this uh, is about him being everyone. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the cool part. Is you get to see the like the genesis of the character. Yeah, it's very very cool. Or yeah. evolution. And with Jan back. Mm-hmm. Can we anticipate them together at some point too? Who knows? We'll Who knows? See. But I would definitely I I would I would love to see an ongoing series with him that oh, Mark God, Wade yeah. that Mark Wade was writing. Yeah. I mean, Avengers AI, it seems like it's gonna be cool. Uh, but it's not Mark Wade, obviously, so it's Sam not, Humphreys. Sam right? Humphreys, who I like. I'm not a not a I'm a fan of his, but not as big as Mark Wade, obviously. So. Right. right. Is Hank going to be part of that or Hank's the leader of it. Okay. It's kind of Hank's this is Hank's thing. He's creating a team. Uh, to basically right all the wrongs and, and become a hero in his own right, um, as much in the costume as with the speakers, the beakers in his hands. Mm-hmm. So it, we'll see what happens. It should be it should be cool, but it's a great issue, and you could read this not having read Age of Ultron one through ten, exactly, not knowing anything, see that, not knowing anything about Hank Pym, not even necessarily even caring what happens after. But if you just want a great comic book about one of the you know original Avengers, one of the Yep. You know, the longest running characters in, in their roster, uh, check it out because it, it's really, really great. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but my book of the week, my, my, oh my God, uh, absolute one of my favorite books of the year uh, was Strange Attractors by Charles Soule mm. uh, with art by Greg Scott. Holy, I really, um, I'm going to try to describe this to you the best I can without spoiling anything. The, the story is about. New York. Mm-hmm. It's about New York being this thriving city, a city that constantly remakes itself and recoups itself. You ask yourself the question, 
how come places that have had other disasters, they're still making up for all the damage? They're still making up for the loss of life. Places that have been hit by volcanoes, by hurricanes, things that are still four or five years still being rebuilt and in ruin. And then you have uh, a city like New York that we get it done. Like mm-hmm. we, we have something as, as tragic as 9-11 and within a year we're making plans to rebuild, we're cleaning up the streets, we're getting the economy back in order, getting everybody back online. And New York, as much as we've endured, we always seem to bounce back just a little bit faster than other parts of the world. And this is very much about that. Mm -hmm. And it's about that in a sense of that there is this guy that's going around, he's trying to finish his thesis. He wants this uh, think tank job and he has to finish this thesis and he feels like it's lacking and there are pieces missing. So he decides to contact a an, an old contact of the college that he works for of a professor that was let go for reasons that are kind of sketchy and he wants to basically go and learn from him and share his ideas and see if he can't complete his stuff before the deadline and get this job. What he comes to find out is that this... This guy, um, I think it's uh, Professor Brownfield, he is a fixer of sorts. He believes he's he's found a like a, a method or a, a mathematical equation for causality within the city. Hmm. That if you you know something happens because something happens, the rippling effect, mm-hmm. the butterfly effect. Yeah. That if you throw an empty soda can into the street and someone picks it up and then, you know, a car crashes because they were distracted by that person, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So he basically develops a method of seeing patterns within the city that he is he's the one going around keeping New York City alive and well, that all the tragedies that we've endured, all these things that happened is because he has fixed it so that they've gotten better. And the story is essentially about an apprentice journey and learning how to uh, spot the cause and effect events Mm -hmm. that happen throughout the city in order to fix it. And of course, there's a major, major plot going and he sees the pattern and basically comes to discover that what they thought they had four years to plan and to fix is going to be coming into effect within two days. And they need to find the pattern and they need to go and create the scenarios around the city that will put the plan to fix it in motion. Hmm. It is really, really, really intense. Hmm. It is expertly written. It is very engaging. And it's got a lot of a lot of New York history a lot of um, delving into music, uh, a lot of the underground music scene and some of the classic like 90s stuff, the Pixies, Ramones, so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, it reeks of New York. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not from New York, you'll, I mean, I'm hoping that you'll love it. <laughs> uh, it's definitely something that after you put it down, you're you're going to think about it for a while. I, I, I shut the book and I put it down and I basically, I turned to my girlfriend, I was like, wow. And she goes, well, what are you going to read next? And I said, I don't think I could read anything else for the rest wow. of the day because I, I need to sit on this mm-hmm. for a bit. And uh, it's just wonderful. If you want a very much a, a brain teaser comic, a what-if comic, something that will kind of make you think about 
things that have happened in your life that, you know, you met this person because you met that person and Mm -hmm. because you were there at that moment for that event. And maybe you didn't, you weren't going to go that day, but you decided that you did. And all of these things that lead up to these significant moments in your life, that's what this book is about. Mm -hmm. Um, Super, super, super good. I really hope to uh, have a discussion with uh, Charles in the future about how this this book came about because it's highly original, very, uh, very, very cool. It's called Strange Attractors. Uh, it's published by Archaea. Beautiful, hardbound book, uh, only $19.99. Uh, it's available on his website. He's been doing a signing tour for it. Just, I can't recommend it enough. I already know that it's going to make uh, my end of the year lists. It's phenomenal. Very cool. Yeah, I, I have it, actually, and I've read uh, only the very beginning of it. So good. Um, but yeah, there was a scene that they're in that, uh, like, that bar like the club the music club yeah and he's talking about the way that the heat in the room and the acoustics and the the, the shoes that is, the people are wearing and how it all equals up to either yeah, the, having a good time or a bad time or whatever you know yeah all the vibrations all the vibrations from the speakers yeah. into the floorboards into the this, the way the music reacts to the brain yeah and how a dj can basically control the emotional climate of the room yeah it's just, it's awesome yeah. when you see all the lines going from mm. one person to the next person, to the trash can, to the payphone, to the bird in the sky, and all of these things that create, like, if you if you drop several things in a park, eventually people are going to, to gravitate towards those things that if you get a bird's eye view, all of a sudden you discover a spiral yeah. within the park. Mm-hmm. It's just really, if you like a good, like, cerebral read, mm. if that stuff... Like if you like that kind of thing, you totally got to check this book out. Mm-hmm. Um, those are always my favorite kind of books: mm-hmm. the highly emotional, highly intriguing, little bit of sci-fi, but a very um, intellectual read, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, very, very, very cool. Awesome, awesome. All right, Bob, what do you got for us? Sure, I thought Steve was going one more. Well, that's I think that's saved We're for saving. our. Let's save this for the weird podcast. Oh, this is one of the weirdest. Weird books one. I've okay. Ever read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something else that's New York based, but very, very different, uh, masks came to an end mm-hmm. this week. It's all the, it's sort of the pulp radio justice league, mm-hmm. uh, comes to a very satisfying conclusion with a nice little surprise that I won't spoil. Cause I know there are people who are going to read this in a lump. Yes. That one uh, of those people is me. Yeah. Be yeah, yeah. So I won't say very much, but, got them all. <laughs> um, it took me some doing to get the Alex Ross cover. Yes, you were you were crusading. I was crusading to get that, and and Carolyn Coca picked this up for me at a, a sale in, in a store in Huntington. Nobody, well, stores don't get very many of these. Mm. So if there are you know whatever it is eight covers, four mm. regular ones and four extras, well, no one got the best cover in the entire run <laughs> of the entire book. It's Alex Ross. It's this painting of every one of the heroes. Mm-hmm. This needs to be a poster. Mm. This is just pretty darn special. But if you're enjoying masks up to now, you're going to be very thrilled with how we end. I, and that's got proper Miss Fury in it? It has the real Miss Fury. Ah. <laughs> she acts like Miss Fury. She doesn't cuss and shoot people mm. in the kneecaps. and <laughs> Amazingly, sex. still dynamite. And mm. that's what's yeah. so sad that it went so badly. And Roberson is taking over the shadow, I believe? Is he doing one of those shadow minis or the regular shadow? There I, think are two, he's three different... I think he's thinking of an ongoing of the shadow. So the Shadow, he writes very well. He writes mm. all these. Even the Green Llama, he writes well. <laughs> people are saying, the who? Of it's course. the Green Llama. Of course. It's the Green Llama. How anyway, you not have the Green Llama? Yeah. If you're going to have these characters, you have to have the Green Llama mm-hmm. and Zora. 
I mean, why not? Um, should we? Are we, anyone else going to talk about Hawkeye? We can bring up Hawkeye. I mean, I okay. have I have a giant pile of books, so it's okay. you're not taking anything away from me. Um, it's the pizza dog issue. It is the pizza dog issue. Pizza dog. With, uh, I mean, it's David Aja. Yeah. Uh, but now we also, it's, it's rough, 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 rough on rough, the rough cover, which is pretty funny. Um, but beyond Matt Hollingsworth, we have someone named Chris Eliopoulos mm-hmm. on production. Yeah. There's a lot of production here yeah. because it is done with, the dialogue balloons are what a dog would hear. As yeah. we all know who've had dogs, they hear one word out of every six. Yeah. And they only hear the big ones that relate mm. to them. So what you have through here is, you know, don't know, lucky, good dog. Yeah. And the expressions mm. on Pizza Dog's face through this tell the tale. Lots of little... So it's the Jonathan Hickman glyphs. It's it's circles mm-hmm. connected with lines. Yeah. <laughs> as, as Lucky is sniffing things and yeah. discovering, well, good, bad, or what's going on here? Are these people and arrows and mm-hmm. garbage and pizza and whatever? And... At the end of the day, this is a detective story. Yes, it is. Of Pizza Dog investigating, you know, are, are we spoiling the death from five no, issues I mean, ago that's, of, of, that's of Gil Grill, yeah, so yeah, we yeah. want to refer to him? Um, it is just so well done. This must have taken forever yeah. to come up with how this all works. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there will be a lot more to come. We still have a lot of questions. Yeah. You know, there's a, a missing sneaker. <laughs> which we have to figure out, you know, where that all went to. I still like to know, you know, how we manage this off the uh, the fire escape. Mm-hmm. Not to mention we have a little love story going on. We do. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, it, it helps if you've read the other Hawkeye, because I, I'm sure if you just pick this up off the, oh, look, everyone talks about how great this Hawkeye is, and you pick this issue up, you go, what the hell is that? <laughs> but just amazing and fun and it's still emotional because you're still feeling the ramifications of the death from a few issues back so folks hawkeye just pretty amazing yeah it's it's pretty amazing stuff and i love the association like you're talking about those circles of the lines Mm -hmm. they're very much what he associates these characters with so you know he always associates hawkeye with the 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 pot of coffee and i love that scene where he's just drinking out of the full pot of coffee which is one of the more ridiculous things uh I, lo- I love the expression on his face, uh, uh, the heart, the heartbroken expression yep. when the dog walks back in the apartment building without him. Uh, yeah, and th- some of these pages are just unbelievable, like with the amount of detail and, and the complicated plotting, and the way you're you're seeing events that you've seen we've seen already in a different light, and then going off from there as well. Um, it's it's just it's amazing. It, it, what they do in this book is unlike anything else. In any sort of mainstream comic yeah. at all, so it's pretty amazing. Well, I saw an interview with Matt Fraction where he was saying he was sure they were going to fire him <laughs> for having even come up with this idea. Yeah, but it's just it's so in keeping with what's come before. You know, it's mm. our third pass through this event. Yeah, so I think we are we are going to narrow this down now to what's happening. But there's a surprise ending here. I yes. did not know where that was going. Yeah, yeah. As yeah. we get to this. He, he does seem a little sad, our, our pal Lucky. Yeah. Or, or is he Arrow? Yeah, who knows? Does he, he has alias. Yeah, he does. <laughs> it's just out there. But, folks, you should... I, what, what did Rob say they were selling a set of Hawkeye for? He put them online. They um, went for big bucks. Uh, one or through, you sold this, Yeah, yeah. One through uh, seven, I believe, sold uh, for $81 for First Prince. Um, you mm. know, men condition, mm-hmm. never read. 
the whole bit. But uh, even other issues, eight through ten went for that much. Oh wow! Online, one hundred and thirty bucks. Wow. Yeah, uh, it's insane. I mean, I I went to I went to I was in a comic book shop this past week like three times. And <laughs> Good for you. I yeah, they love me over there. They love my <laughs> wallet too. But I. Uh, I looked, and it's just amazing to. They have all of their issues in one spot. So when you go back, there's you know there's multiples of everything. But going back, anything beyond, I would say maybe just issue nine, and it's you know fifth printing, fourth yeah. printing, yeah. seventh printing mm-hmm. of number one, number two. It's just incredible. If you go into the trades section and you go into the Marvel trades and you go, you know, oh, da, da, oh Hawkeye. There, there were no. I I bought my girlfriend the first trade over the weekend, and I had to go to the front and ask them. I said, "Do you have any left?" I'm surprised that it's not on the shelf. And he looked behind the books, and they had stacks of them tucked away mm-hmm. to be. They didn't realize that it was the last one that right. that went, and uh, it was just incredible the pile that mm-hmm. was there. And they restocked, and I said, "How many of those did you order? How many did you find?" He goes. We never stop ordering this trade. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the you know highest selling and most acclaimed mm-hmm. books to come out of the whole Marvel reboot, and it's just um it's really so amazing. It's, it's Hawkeye. Yeah, I know. But it's <laughs> such a surprise. Yeah, he's become such a breakout character. Yeah. as you know, the result of Avengers and mm. just all this stuff that people can't seem to get enough of him lately, and they've painted such a street level cool character in the Matt Fraction run that, I mean, I, I hope that this book goes on yeah. forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's so, it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. It would have been so easy to take this character down the expected paths. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's sort of an Avenger. He's a guy with no powers and he does stuff. He's mm-hmm. a detective on the streets. This is, in the best sense of it, a soap opera. It's a continuing yeah. dramedy mm-hmm. of the crazy life in this apartment building, yeah. basically. And yeah. Various hangers on and weird folks who show up. Tracksuit Draculas. Yeah, there are some bad folks, and and that's the mom, I guess we're seeing, or yeah, Mob Barker, like, or whoever yeah. she is, wearing a. By the way, when you see her, look closely at the pendant around her neck. Mm-hmm. You know, she—that's not one of those. What are those? What are those called? Pandoras? What are those little mm-hmm. bracelets? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not a, I don't think that's a Pandora charm <laughs> she's wearing there. Just not. Uh, not up there. Let, let me yeah. do the a couple of other things quickly, and we'll move, you've got a pile too. Yeah. Uh, FF number eight. Speaking of Matt Fraction, mm-hmm. um, we open with Alex Power having lunch with Doctor Doom. Yeah, which provides him with an unpleasant surprise. Doesn't you, go well for Alex. Power no, you shouldn't be scene. doing that. No. Have you caught up with this one? I have. Yes. Okay. Good. So I'm not spoiling too much. Um, we end up with a little bit of a divided family here mm-hmm. and a divided book. We have two free for alls basically. Yeah. Uh, Medusa's making pronouncements and Jennifer's not thrilled anymore because, well, you did all this crap and everyone just says yes to you. Well, the hell with that. Mm -hmm. Scott's telling her to knock it off and turns into a giant fist fight and going through the walls while Bentley and Allura come back to, you know, the fish kids and Artie and Leech and everyone starting their own sort of camp ruckus going on, Mm -hmm. buckets of water in their brains and the rest of it. Lots going on, but it's still an awful lot of fun. In the midst of yeah. all this, and then we have an ending that's not so much fun. No. You know, old Johnny has got his problems. Yeah. The Herbies are trying to fix him, and it isn't working very well. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Alex is back, but why? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Next issue could be fun. Yeah. 
it, it's it's funny. It, I mean, obviously, this is this is more of a superhero book than Hawkeye is. I mean, there's a lot more superhero antics happening in this, but it's funny how I feel like in both of these instances, in FF and in Hawkeye, he's started creating this larger story almost sneakily, you know, almost like on the down low. Like yeah, it just, absolutely. It just started yeah. to come in all of a sudden, especially with Hawkeye. Hawkeye seemed very like individual, individual, individual. And all of a sudden, this larger tapestry started coming together or what, what was happening. And it's similar to this, right? You know, it's they seem like individual issues uh, and one-shot stories where things happen. But then, as you get along, it's more like a television show where you really can't forget about anything that's happened in a previous issue because it's probably going to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, so... They haven't even talked about this going after Doom thing in, in, a, in a bunch of issues because they've been dealing with the negative zone stuff and all that other thing. But it's still it's still a prevalent thing. It's still there and it crops back up in, in some ways. And the Johnny Johnny comes back, who I didn't even really expect. I was I wasn't even thinking about him anymore. He comes back. It's an interesting loop yeah. that he's been. And Doom forward. has a nice little visit from some friends. Yeah. Yes, which is uh, which is fun. Yeah. yeah. So we don't know where this is going to head, but th- th- there's only three weeks for another issue now. Yeah. So yeah. Yep, it's another book that needs to come out faster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but my book of the week is X-Men number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Wood, Olivier Cope, uh, Coipel. I always Coipel, yeah. Coipel. I, 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 so can I just say before he starts going on, I'm so glad to see an X-Men book be Bob's <laughs> book of the week. This is a momentous book. occasion, people. <laughs> it is because, as I said to you off air... This reads to me like an X-Men book. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, for you guys who are younger, not to play that I'm an old man, but I mm-hmm. am kind of. This is what it was like to pick up a Claremont Byrne X-Men and just revel in these characters. Uh, a, a fun adventure story, but with a consequence. Characters seeming like they all really do like each other, that they're hanging in because not for the convenience of the storytelling mm-hmm. or because of, well, that's what corporate says, we need this character and this. I can see these people hanging out. They may not always like each other, but mm-hmm. they know they need to do things. You have characters who we didn't see a lot of in the first issue, a lot more Rachel, a lot more Psylocke here. Yeah, yes. Um, Kitty's got some stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And I know there were some people who weren't happy with Jubilee, but she is really good in this issue. She is very good in this issue, very touching. And that's especially hard for people who grew up watching the 90s cartoon to ever say. (laughs) (laughs) It's very tough. Uh, The the moment where John Sublime, you know, mentions the baby. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and we say some stuff about that. I'm not going to spoil this moment. People should read this. But it is really pretty amazing. The artwork here, the great expressions Mm. on the faces. When it's meant to be dire, when things are going badly, you get... A resolute face out of Rogue, but so much wonderful um, human emotion out of Jubilee and the baby. Yeah. This is the cutest baby in comics yeah. since Valeria was really little. <laughs> um, What's her face from Saga is pretty cute as well. What is Hazel? Hazel? Hazel, yeah. Thank you. Oh, man. Brain fart. That's okay. <laughs> Can I tell you uh, the moment that made me... It's not even. It's sure. not an emotional moment, but I fucking loved it when Rogue flies into that room and like Beat picks down. a crater... With the bad guy into yep. the floor. It was incredible. I've this is a, this is the thing I love about this book is that I've never read a book with Rogue where she uses her powers as the way and as effective that she used them just in these first two issues. It it gives her, you know, it 
it gives her that sense of power and danger that I don't think I felt. I I just any X Men book I've read, and let's I'll admit there's not a lot of them that I've mm-hmm. read, but I've always felt like she just seemed more emotional than you know physical. It seemed stood to, around a lot. Yeah, it seemed to be yeah. a lot a lot of being afraid to use her powers and or you know not liking this or having like emotional turmoil, which is also good. That's also fine, but I've never seen her use her powers the way she uses them. Oh, here. completely cut loose. The last issue with the train. Yeah. It was just an incredible moment. And mm. now here, uh, another one. Uh, again, art is great. Story's great. The colors, we have three different colorists here that mm. I just need to point out. Laura Martin, who we, we see a lot. Uh, uh, Matt Miller and Christina, let me get this right. Christina Strain. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how the, the workload broke apart here, but I would swear to you that each of them are taking a section. We have emotional stuff we have the action stuff we have sort of the danger room red areas it is just as you you, you transition cinematically one to the next those colors set the tone and the moods all the way through Mm -hmm. Uh, this is great i didn't know these villains having been off Mm x-men for a long time doesn't matter loving absolutely loving what's going on here and i do i love that at the end this is not a spoiler but the end i love that the the the, that it's rogue carrying beast over her shoulder Yeah, yeah Because he got out, he got out, man, yep. you know, and out gunned. I yeah. love that. And the geez, fur feels geez, nice. Yeah, geez, he weighs a ton. Yeah, yeah. but the yeah. fur feels nice. Yeah, great stuff. It's it's great. And yeah. this second issue is just as good as that first issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, really awesome. Really excited. Really excited for me personally about all the X Men books because I've been loving them all. It was we had that came out, Uncanny, and All New all came out this week. Uh, I have to catch up on Uncanny. And all, the Uncanny issue. This was the first week that. The first issue that I felt that Uncanny, in my mind, bested all new. Uh, because Uncanny focused down just really on magic. Uh, it it resolves the story that's been going on where they're stuck in the limbo dimension and everything like that. But magic is seeking help from someone. And it's it's not only not the person you'd expect, but not the context in which you'd expect it. It's just, hmm. it's very, very cool, very interesting uh, situation. And... Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a great issue, and the Fraser Irving art has been really good, uh, really fitting of this mm-hmm. more demonic, you know, hell dimension arc with his kind of very intense, scary look. Uh, even you know, over obviously Chris Pachalo is awesome, and I love his art, but mm-hmm. it, this was the perfect place for him to come in and go for a little while while Pachalo kind of gets caught up because I'm sure I know I know Pachalo is back for the uh, Battle of the Atom. Uh, a crossover, nice. which I'm excited for because I'm reading all those books. So does yeah. it doesn't it affect my buying schedule one bit? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, onto me, uh, Justice League 21, uh, which is I believe only the second time now the what usually is the backup uh, issue in Justice League, which is the Shazam story takes center stage, uh, which it's been going on for I think about a year now, maybe a little bit wow. longer than that. Um, it's been back up. The Zero issue was a Shazam issue, and this is also a Shazam, Shazam issue. Finally finishes off the the, the uh, New Fifty Two origin and sets him up to be kind of free in, in, in the uh, New Fifty Two universe. Uh, what's really cool about it, and I and I've been, it took me a while to warm up to them, but once I kind of got into them, it's been my favorite thing about the Justice League book pretty much every week and in the every month. And the last couple months, I've been really liking Justice League. Still been my favorite thing in there. What's really cool is that. John starts him out, you know, he's a little bit of a bratty kid who's been foster kid, he's been bounced around, he doesn't really like his new family, he's kind of mean to them, uh, and it, taking him from that kind of bratty kid 
and what I assumed even then was going to be a much, uh, for lack of a better word, I don't want to say dark, heavier version of the character. Mm. By the by, this by this one, he is a made the character supremely likable, and two, the tone of this story, while is serious, has a lot of uh, fun to it, a lot of lightness to it, a lot of embracing the fact that these are these are kids. Uh, you know, it, it kind of in grown-up bodies, and the way that it reintroduces uh, the Marvel family as well is really cool. Dudley, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think they said all the names. Uh, but, uh, old fat guy. Uh, no, not an old fat guy. Not old fat. These okay, are just the kids no for old now. Fat guy. Okay. There's the kids now, and and we have the tiger coming in as well. Uh, really, really well done. The art by Gary Frank is gorgeous. Gorgeous art. Uh, really fun battles, and the way that Billy vanquishes his enemy is. Uh, not by using his strength, but by using his his goodness and uh, his his smarts, uh, and it, it it was just great. It was I, I was looking forward to the ending, and now I just hope that from now on, here on in, we get whoever takes over or if it becomes its own ongoing. I doubt John's will be writing it; he's doing so much other stuff. I hope it's treated with care. I hope it, I hope it's good because this introduction was really really great. Um. And from reading this and having read The Power of Shazam, the Jerry Ordway book, mm-hmm. and having read these original Captain Marvel stories, uh, it shares a lot more in common in those than would have thought uh, beginning it. I would, looking at that cover, I would not... I would, that, the cover is very me, intense. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and look at me, there is some intense stuff that happens, and there's some anger and stuff, but uh, it ends up with, you know, ends, it ends on Christmas, a very family-oriented thing. And he's smiling. It's, we don't see smiles in DC books anymore. We get books smiles anymore. from Captain Marvel, uh, smiles all around, a little bit of like, aw, shucks looking stuff. Yeah. Uh, that very, almost looks like Kevin, the, honestly, that top panel, it looks like yeah. Kevin McGuire from the, uh, you know, the Justice League International days. Right, yeah. It, it's, it, was, it was great. It, it was great. Uh, be interested to see how they, they take it from here, but... Uh, it was awesome. Uh, a dynamite book. Uh, we talked about another dynamite book, Fourth Masks, but Uncanny Number One from Andy Diggle. Uh, new, not really a superhero book, but a, a man with superpowers. Uh, he basically he can he can he touches you and he absorbs your knowledge and your memories for a short burst of time, and he's able to do uh, with that. You know, if you, if you know jujitsu, he will know jujitsu for a few minutes after he touches you. Mm. Uh, so it's basically like selective telekinesis in, in some ways. Uh, he's not the nicest guy in the world. You know, he's kind of a gambler. He's used his powers to make money and to grift and stuff like that. And now it's finally starting to catch up with him. And we've gotten to the point where it's it's caught up with him. Uh, this is the moment we're at in the book when the book starts. It, it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I, I like Andy Diggle. I wanted to read it. But like a lot of books like this that are somewhat superpowered, superpower oriented that aren't the big two i tend to be less excited about reading them just because i have all these superheroes already why do i need to read this other Mm -hmm. one but uh i found it very entertaining very fun uh you know he's a grifter you know it's a little bit of that kind of oceans 11 type feel to it. it's a little bit darker a little more serious than that you know a little more edge to it but still a lot of fun and, and a really good book so i definitely recommend people check it out uh Batman Superman, number one, Greg Pak uh, and uh, Jay Lee. I think it's Jay Lee, Jay Lee, Jay Lee. No, no, uh, on art and Ben Oliver as well. Now, this is the or- New Fifty Two Origins of the characters. Immediately, the first thing you notice about it is the art. I mean, his art is so 
different and so specific and so much personality. And the way he draws Gotham City, very imposing, very surreal, uh, uh, very intimidating. This deals, interestingly enough, the first meeting is not between Batman and Superman, it's between Clark and Bruce. And Clark has come to Gotham to interview Bruce about some bad stuff going on at Way Enterprises. And you immediately, in that first moment, there is more chemistry and fun in between the two of them than I think there has been in the rest of the New 52. Wow. You immediately get their relationship. The relationship is there immediately. You know, there's this thing where Bruce is very much, he's learned to fade back in the background and not be seen and deal with people's crap because he doesn't want to call attention to himself. This is still in his early days. He's not even really Batman yet. Uh, And uh, for some reason, Clark just gets under his skin. He can't, his his dogged uh, idealism just gets to him, you know, and he can't he can't help but say something back, uh, and that stuff is just it's great. And then we 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 do get a first meeting between them, and what's great about it is we get both their perspectives. So we getting we're getting voiceover in both of them. So you're seeing how Batman sees Superman, how Superman sees Batman. There's this wonderful page where basically recounts their prior origins in just two sides of the pages, and they're. It, Outlines their perspectives completely, uh-huh. giving big, you know, the big moments in their lives, and you know, starts as them with kids with their parents, and sees how their lives diverge and how they came to be who they are. You see Superman looking at Batman as he sees Batman the first time, he thinks he's a bad guy, he thinks he's some you, sort of you monster, would, sure. you know. And so there's that great stuff. And then the end of the book takes us to a weird place. I don't want to. It's a little bit of a spoiler. I don't want to get into it. Uh, it jumps us somewhere, and the art also changes at that point. Uh, and it would be. Jaili basically illustrates what would be the, the amount of a regular full-length comic book. There's extra pages here. That's why it's three ninety nine. So it would essentially be the pages that would be a backup story. It's still part of the main story. It changes art to Ben Oliver, whose art is also painterly, but completely different. And usually, I think it's beautiful. Poised against Jaili's art, it's really tough to stand up to, to that look. There's just something so specific. And his his characters are what you would call off model as far as their look goes um but it's perfect i don't know there's something i I didn't i expect him to do batman great you know uh but superman i was not so sure and i think he just it it just works so well uh steve you're looking at it right now you see the difference in the yeah absolutely yeah uh i mean it's very um yeah if you probably want to scroll through real quick like uh like sketchy a little bit like painterly sketchy kind of thing yeah um it's not it's not super jarring. I mean, it's it's certainly a it's not Jai Lee. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's still you know it's that's one of those books that I did not get uh, my hands on mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend, and I regret it. Yes, yeah. it, it is yeah. gorgeous. It is gorgeous. This these initial like the way he does it, Gotham City with these arches and these spires and and, and the airships and stuff. It just it, it's amazing stuff to look at. It this paired with now we have Superman Unchained and we have this. Mm-hmm. It's very good stuff for, for that character. With And also with uh, Zero Year, we're really yeah, how's starting... How's that tying into Bruce's origins It Batman seems here? like it's kind of around it right now. You know, they haven't dealt with it at all and I think they're going to... The way they play with the story, I can definitely see how they're going to get around dealing with that okay. specific year of his life. Uh, but that combined with this really, I think, is starting to define a little bit more, at least for those two characters, the the canonized definite backstory for this new new 52 universe which is something they need to, they always need to do they should have done it from the beginning they didn't yeah, I was just going to say that yeah two years in 
but is, they're doing it now, and if this ends yeah. up being great, that, that's great. Uh, I don't think I've ever read a Greg Pak book before. Uh, it was great. I, I love the way he goes about it. Serious, but still with a hint of humor. Uh, really, really good stuff. Uh, I'm really excited about this series going forward. Really great with from his Hulk work. Lots of supporting characters. You'll end up mm-hmm. with a very large cast of mm-hmm. odd people. Yeah. So look for that, too. So that'll be, that'll be fun. Uh, but definitely, if you're looking for a Batman book, a Superman book especially, y- you got two really good ones, I think, on the stands right now. So make sure you check those out. Uh, but my book of the week, and I won't spend a ton of time on it, but uh, we talk about it every week, but Daredevil number 27. La, 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 la. Uh, you, you read it yet? No. Okay. So <laughs> this book, not only does it wrap up uh, the current arc that we've been dealing with, it really wraps up the last two and a half years of Mark Wade storylines. Wow. This is the conclusion and the answer to everything that was going on in Matt's life. W- what's been pulling the strings behind the, the, the curtain <laughs> that's making his life horrible. This book is the answer to that. Great. Uh, <laughs> it, it does all the things, you know, this is, Matt has gotten, we've gotten to a very bad situation here and people in reading the book now know that, you know, we, we know how sick foggy is. We know how, in how beaten up Matt has been in the last couple issues. Uh, with the introduction of this this new character, uh, we found out last issue who was who was behind that character. But here we find out a much larger thing. We which find out what happened to that person, and we get this conclusion. This this way of uh, I feel like only Mark Waite and Chris Samney can do of really playing with your perspective, and uh, you see a smile, and because of the context, you think it's nefarious. But you, but then it's flipped completely, and you realize no, it's not nefarious. This is actually something really great. Uh, it's up to I don't want to spoil anything about it, but this is just wonderful. The colors are um, amazing. Uh, it's just the the book continues to be you know just amazing, and the use of color in such a dark situation. You know, you're dealing in dark warehouses, and the the issue almost takes place only takes place at night. But the amount of colors that are in Daredevil's costume that are in um, I can't remember the, the 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 kind of bad Daredevil character, the Akira or Akira or whatever. Akiri, I think, is the name of the character. Uh, the colors in there, yellow and reds and all these things. It just it, everything pops. Uh, funny, serious. You you get you get one of those you know oh fuck yeah moments when Daredevil does something. It's it's a great wrap up to something that has been going on for a very very long time. So really excited to see where it goes from here. Uh, but once again, Daredevil, uh, really great. It was funny. Uh, Joey Bracino reviewed it for us this week, uh, this past week, and he hasn't been reading it. So it was just kind of, he was like, you know, I wanted somebody to review it. And he was like, I'll review it. I haven't read it, but it might be cool to get fresh eyes on it. And he absolutely was crazy about it. He's like, I haven't read another issue of it, but this issue was enough to get me to go back and read all the rest and put it on my pull list. From now on, that's awesome. So there should be more Mark Wade. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> he, he needs to split himself into <laughs> yeah. like Madrox. So yeah, he can exactly. Write like Twenty bucks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's it for our, our books of the week. A lot of great books came out uh, this week. A lot of books came out, uh, and it, it. But I didn't read a single one that I I, I didn't enjoy. So that's a that's a good week. Uh, so we're gonna take a little break. We're gonna come back with some listener questions. Um, so we'll see you after this.
All right, we are back, and we have a very special surprise for you. Uh, the internet has returned, and so also has returned Stephanie Cook. <sighs> the crowd roars. Uh, so, <laughs> we, triumphant return. We just finished just our book of the week wave. segment, uh, obviously. But Stephanie, we want to give you a chance to talk about the books that you loved this week. Lay it on us. Well, I know I gotta stop like starting that off with well, Bobby. <laughs> But um, I dove into a ton of things. And for once, I'm like mostly caught up, which is yay. <laughs> so um, I think I mentioned when it came out or the week after it came out, uh, The Wake. I thought it was like a perfect first issue mm-hmm. and just read the second one. And it continues to be so freaking good. Mm-hmm. You guys read it, I assume, as well. I did not. I, I did. I did. I I love the art style i love that there's the main story and then there's like a couple other things going on and i don't want to spoil it because obviously it's still pretty new um but the story just really really like speaks to me and i love it and it's kind of even making me want to go and like research things that they talk about and be like is that for real (laughs) like what really that's so cool (laughs) and like it's totally making me nerd out about stuff and I think that's awesome that it's kind of, I mean, for me, it's just kind of one of those things that inspired me to learn more about what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was really, it's really cool. It continues that kind of John Carpenter, the thing feeling to it, uh, but does some really cool stuff with, with time and the way that it, it tells its story. Yeah. You don't know what's really going on in the other kind of two little mini things go- that are happening mm-hmm. on at like the beginning and the end of each story so far, but yeah. Will do, but that's really good. <laughs> and it is, it is really good. So you guys should definitely be reading it if you haven't. It's only a ten-part mini, so um, even things are slowly getting answered already. Mm-hmm. Slowly getting answered already. That doesn't make sense, doesn't. but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was awesome. Also read Jupiter's Legacy, the second one. Mm-hmm. Hey, what did you think of it? Um, I kind of have mixed feelings about the book as a whole. I, the art is really hit and miss right now. Like, I, I generally like it, but then every now and again, like, there's weird faces and stuff, and I'm just, like, one of the main characters kind of reminds me of superhero Chris Angel. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll know who I'm talking about if you've read it. Yeah, but, mind freak. But, um, the story's interesting. I don't think it's my favorite thing on the shelves right now, but I'm going to keep reading it because it's interesting. Yeah, I like the second issue, I think, better than the first uh, I love the art. He, Frank Quitely does draw weird face. His faces are generally yeah. weird, uh, you know. Um, I, I like some of the direction it's going in, and, and some of the directions it goes in are expected, I think, and sometimes it veers wildly away from my expectations, which I, I think is nice. Um, I, I still feel like he's very much setting the world up in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I'm anxious to see what happens when we get kind of into the main thrust of the story about what's really going on here. We get hints at it in, in this, in the what's going to come, but we don't, I still, I feel like we still don't know what Jupiter's legacy is about. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, yeah, again, I, I'm going to keep reading it, but it's ongoing or is it a mini? Do we know this? I'm pretty sure it's ongoing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it being like a really large scale story, but He's building it up to be 
a large scale story. So I think it would be weird to be like 12 issues. We're done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, and then, I mean, I read a bunch of other things you guys talked about. Um, and I, I can't recall if you guys had spoken about Lazarus. I, we did. We talked about Lazarus. Yeah. But yeah. what'd you think of it? Seven? I really enjoyed it. I loved the art. Like it was awesome. And the story they they cram a lot into that first issue, mm-hmm. but I liked it. Um, interested to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Could it could go either way? Like really good, really bad. But I'm definitely going to give it another, you know, another go. Second issue, woohoo! <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, I just want to quickly mention too another book I really enjoyed. I read a lot this week, but um, Guardians of the Galaxy is really awesome still. Mm-hmm. Really, really enjoying that series. Accidentally read issue four before issue three. <laughs> and then I was like, well, this doesn't really make sense. But then, you know, I read issue three and then I was like, well, now issue four makes sense. Yeah. But I didn't this realize. book has jumped the shark. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really realize it at the time. But mm-hmm. FYI, everyone, it makes more sense and it's way better in order. Just saying. Surprise. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> and, um, in case no one ever thought of that before, read them in the proper sequence. Yeah. I know. They should really put numbers right on the cover numbers. that you Shut could up. follow along <laughs> with. Shut up. They were on my iPad, but because like, they were like numbered weird, like they rearranged themselves. So like three was below four. Hmm. That's weird. So I just kind of didn't pay attention. Like I was just reading whichever one was mm-hmm. in order. And then I was like, well, that, what? They were, t- what? They were testing you. Yeah. Yeah, I failed. <laughs> but the last thing I'll talk about before we move on, um, just really quickly, Aquaman. Yes. Number 21. Yes. So good. It was really, really good. 20 was really not great. I didn't enjoy it as much, but like 21 gets back on track mm-hmm. and just so much stuff happens that you're like, 22, are you here yet? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. yeah it's, I assume you read it. Yeah, I did. Uh, 20, uh, issue 20, right? It was Yeah. It was not even written by Jeff Johns. It was written by John Ostrander, who is mm. obviously a vet- veteran creator. Yeah. But uh, it was it, like the side story. Yeah, it just. It, but it was weird because the cover said Jeff Johns on it. Oh, sneaky! Yeah, and the interior had a different name, which DC has done a couple of times in the last uh, few pool, months. Old man. And it just there wasn't necessarily anything wrong with it, but it, it it was such an aside from the ongoing story that we were de- dealing with that it felt very weird. That it yeah, popped up all of like, a sudden. I felt like, again, I'd read the wrong issue because it was just out of place from what was happening. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. What? What do you mean? Why is this here? What? Yeah. Has it really been that long since I... What happened? Yeah. But 21 gets back on track. And for those of you who aren't reading it, like, it's seriously one of the... I don't hear that many people talking about it, but, mm-hmm. like, it's one of the best titles in the DC New 52. Mm-hmm. I guess it's not really the new 52 anymore, but you know still call I mean. it that though. Anyways, it's, it, I guess it's not really a new arc. It's part of like the, it's like the third part, isn't it? Yeah. It's the third part of the arc that started right after the uh, throne of Atlantis, where mm-hmm. Arthur goes to take over uh, Atlantis and what's been going on there. So yeah, it's still, it's not even the end of that arc yet, um, but it sets things in motion uh, very nicely, I think. Yeah, it, it's really great. And I love the art so much. Like, it's like my perfect kind of superhero art. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, the And they definitely, Jeff Johns, when he's just created doing this, he sets up, uh, I, I don't know if it's a new villain. It seems like a new villain mm. to me. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not familiar with the villain, but yeah. yeah. Which should be cool. 
Should be a cool, very much like he does the Green Lantern, which is like, this is the ancient thing that no one knew about, and now it's back. (laughs) So he does that again, but does it to very good effect. Well, I haven't read Green Lantern, so it's not, you know, it's original to me. Right. I mean, it's still original, but it's just a a good tactic when dealing with a character that's been around for 60 years. You know, you can just go, this happened before you saw this character. Everything happened before. Exactly. So that that's an, a nice way, I think, mm-hmm. of, of going about it. So, yeah, I wrote a ton of other stuff. Like, you guys obviously like talked about a lot of it. Can I just quickly mention, though, too, how is X-Men already, like, the next issue is, like, the conclusion of the arc. Oh, what, of X, X, adjectiveless, adjectiveless X-Men? <laughs> yeah. <like> okay. <laughs> Brian Woods, X-Men. Brian Woods, yeah. X-Men, yeah. Well, he said that he's going to do uh, short... Uh, kind of self-contained arcs that all build together into one larger story. It's cray-cray. No, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. There should be more of that. Um, and I, I don't... It's coming up soon, though. The Battle for the Atom thing is coming up soon. So it's de- that is definitely uh, it, part of that crossover event with the rest of the other X-Men books. Hope well, I enjoyed that as well. I hope it doesn't yeah. lose momentum because of the event. Well, apparently... I mean, I was listening... This is, again, this is an interview with Bendis, so I don't know... Wh- you know, obviously, he's not going to say anything bad about the the event that they're spearheading. But it seems like it was conceived by him, Jason Aaron, and Brian Wood uh, all together with this all in mind. So even before Brian Wood's X-Men okay. book came out. So hopefully that puts it all together. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. And to, to that that event uh, and going into kind of our listener question section. Seven, do you have any other books you want to talk about? No, I mean, I read... A bunch of other things, but I think you guys mostly kind of covered them. So right. Well, we, I talked about Superman, Batman, but I was the only or Batman, Superman. I was the only one who had who's read it so far. But you read it, right? Yeah, I did. Um, I think this was like a book that kind of we spoke about in the news or whatever, but mm-hmm. I hadn't really had on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I picked it up because you know I was looking through it at the Silver Snail this week or last week, rather, I was just like, this looks kind of cool. I think I could check this out. Um, I, I like Jay Lee's art so much, but it's weird. Some of the time in the book, I really dig it, and then other times I'm just like, yeah. His Catwoman, though, is perfect. <laughs> perfect. Oh, oh, there it is. I didn't actually even mean to do that. I was really just going to say perfect and leave it at that, but, mm-hmm. you know. My internet's mysteriously going to go out again. Well. <laughs> I think we lost her. <laughs> Stephanie? Stephanie? Are you there? Hear you. Hello? Are you there? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty good. Don't know how I feel about this story. And like, Superman is really weird in it. What do you mean by really weird? I don't know. I just don't necessarily like... There's a couple moments where I'm like, what is he talking about? What is he doing? But <laughs> I don't know. That crazy Clark. That crazy guy. <laughs> You read so many off the wall books and then Superman weirds you out. Yeah. No. I don't know. It was good. I liked it. I'll read the next one. Um the art's a bit dark at times. Like at the beginning it's just kind of I don't know. But Jai Lee isn't known for doing very uh whimsical. He's not Scotty Young. Yeah, yeah. yeah, No whimsy in (laughs) Dilly's art. Nah. It's great. I like it. Nah. Um so speaking about the X-Men stuff, uh, John wrote in, uh, John D wrote in and he says, howdy gang, I'm writing to you looking for advice. 
Currently, the only X-Book that I'm reading is Brian Wood's Stellar X-Men. I started the series hoping for an X-Book that wouldn't be caught up in the aftermath of AVX, uh, and was disappointed to learn it would be tied into the upcoming Battle of the Atom. I know you all speak very highly of most of the other X-Books on the stands, but do you think it's worth picking up all new Uncanny and Wolverine the X-Men just to get the entire uh, crossover event? If you didn't have to pick up everything for the sake of discussion on the show, would you buy any of the books you wouldn't buy normally just to get the complete event, or would you just wait for the inevitable trade? He says, My hesitation of just continuing to pick up X-Men and nothing else is that I'll get parts 3 and 7 in the event, which I can't imagine will be very fun to read without the other parts. Um, I could just skip out on X-Men for two months, but I'm sure that whatever happens in Battle of the Atom is going to be continued in X-Men after the event is over. So I'll more than likely be out of the loop. I hate to drop this new book, but I feel like I'm being pushed out of this brand new series just because I'm not wanting to spend $40 on a new event. Any advice or wisdom you could share would be much appreciated. Steve. Oh, boy. You're talking to the guy that does buy all the books. Mm-hmm. Ah, What do I say to that? Well, first of all, I'd like to mention an X title that was not uh, in that list. And that's unfortunately, it was. I heard it was canceled. I read today uh, is Astonishing X-Men. Oh, really? Yeah. uh, Has been canceled of this run and will be absorbed into the, what they're calling the Marvel Now 2, Mm -hmm. I guess the second wave Mm -hmm. of Marvel Now titles. They're going to rebrand it. They're going to polish it off and they're going to go in a new direction with Mm -hmm. it, so on and so forth. I've very, very much been enjoying that since issue number 51 when Marjorie uh, Liu took it over. And um, that was the whole um, the Marvel wedding and, mm-hmm. and all of that. It's been really solid. We've had some really great stories. The art has been consistently good. But um, in regard to... That was a wonderful way not to answer his question. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, I just that, wanted you to just make added him... another book onto it. <laughs> I just wanted him to be aware of it. It's good. You should buy it. No. Well, he, he doesn't want to spend $40. Yeah, he's well, already complaining about buying question. all new and uncanny. Oh, <laughs> well, maybe I was the wrong person to throw the you question to right away. Astonishing X-Men. Um, I don't know. Should you buy them? Yeah. Why not? Well. <laughs> Somebody else well, go. I'll well. Yeah, well. He, I'll yeah. chime in after. Somebody well, else okay. pick it up. First of all, like, you do not need to buy all of those titles. That's Amen. just Marvel being greedy. So, you know, if you don't want to buy all of them or you want to wait till trade, you're going to be fine. I mean, just wait till trade. Or if you don't feel like picking up the trade stuff, Wikipedia. That is what the internet <sighs> for is these days. And you won't get exactly, you know, the experience of reading it firsthand. But sometimes when you don't feel like spending a zillion dollars on comics that you don't necessarily need to buy. It's the way to go. Um, well, Bob, you're only you're the only one here who's just reading X-Men. That's it for me. So you're in the same boat a- as John is. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you going to do? I'm going to pour myself a big glass of wine, read the X-Men book that I enjoy, mm-hmm. decide after the event whether I want to spend any money any money mm-hmm. any money on it at all. Gotcha. Beyond that. I still want to read the monthly human drama mm-hmm. in X-Men because these characters I'm loving already. So mm-hmm. I can, I'll flummox my way through as Stephanie says. You run right to Wikipedia, go to Marvel Wiki. They have mm-hmm. all the little things. Find what you need. Don't spend money you don't want to spend because you think you have to. There are other ways around that now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'd say if you don't want to spend the money, don't spend the money. But I will say this. Uh, I'm loving every single X-Book that I'm reading right now. I think all new X-Men and Uncanny X-Men are great. Uh, 
I do not pick up Wolverine the X-Men on the regular, but uh, what I have read of that book, I've really enjoyed. And if it's going to be part of the event, I'll pick it up during the Battle of the Atom uh, event. I think the X-Men stuff is kind of hitting on all cylinders right now. So if it's a quality issue for you, I, I, I don't think you have to worry. If you want to just pick it up for those two months or whatever, you want to pick up all the books, that's fine. If it's a money issue and you don't want to buy them, don't buy them. But they are very good books. So if you want to give them a chance during that thing, I don't think you'll be disappointed in what you're reading. See? Three much better answers than mine. You should have started <laughs> with you guys. Yeah, but now we found out about Astonishing X-Men. We did. We all so we we know. We know so now. good, you guys. <laughs> See? So good. It's canceled. Oh, no. It's, so, it's another uh, book that got canceled. I'm starting. And I didn't. See, that has nothing to do with me. I have the kiss of death on everything I else. But I didn't do it on starting that to, It's true. I'm picking up the Bob curse. <laughs> I, it's been transferred. Um, yeah. Astonishing. Journey into Mystery is gone. Journey into yeah. Mystery is gone. Now Astonishing X-Men is gone. It's all these little like pocket books that are not popular obviously because mm-hmm. they're being canceled <laughs> but they're still worth worth your reading and very good stories and the thing about astonishing x-men is that it's very epic at times it's also very funny at times and it's very character driven which mm-hmm. i love so it's solid stuff mm-hmm. i mean if you want to pick up a collection when it's all said and done it, it would be worth looking into or borrow it from a friend uh so uh this is from luke this is not a question but he has written in with a talking comics drinking game nice mm-hmm. uh so these are these are the stipulations this is these are the times you have to take a drink uh steve praises my little pony yeah uh <laughs> stephanie says i'm not too familiar with that character uh, ouch <laughs> uh when bob gets the name of the new transformers book right or wrong you have to cho- you choose that takes the pressure off it takes that's pressure good off you. yeah okay you choose um, or it also takes the power away from you, though, because uh-huh. if it were, you could intentionally get it wrong to make people drink, if, if that was the stipulation. Um, mm. Anytime Steve and Stephanie begin communicating with cat noises, <laughs> uh, every time Bobby skips over Stephanie's opinion on a subject, <laughs> does, that, does that count today when we took down the internet? Yeah, yeah. And if you really want to get going, take a drink every time some, the praises are sung to Scott Snyder, Mark Wade. Or Fiona Staples. Um, he says, I know this is a little stupid, but I thought it was pretty funny. Thanks for reading, Luke H. It was not stupid, Luke. That's awesome. I think you're going to start a trend. Thank you so much. Maybe for even among reading. us, too. Yes. One, one night we'll have to do the Top <laughs> Comics drinking game while we're actually recording. Episode 100. Yeah. I got, I got some thoughts for episode 100. We'll talk about those uh, later on. Um, uh, so... Uh, Luke wrote another question. He said, what would you think of one of the phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, including movies from Doctor Strange, Daredevil, Ghost Rider, The Punisher, and Blade? I personally think these characters would do very well in a team-up movie. It would have to be a little on the darker side, but not so dark it wouldn't fit into the rest of their continuity. Just some thought. Thanks for reading. I'm not going to go to Steve first, so he doesn't yell at me this time. I'm going to go to Bob. Okay, who are are we talking about here? We got Doctor Strange, Daredevil, Ghost Rider, The Punisher, and Blade. I might leave out Ghost Rider, though he's a very good character. Mm-hmm. He never really played well in teams, even in that sort of new FF. Right. But those other sort of street-level New York characters, you know, Dark of Night down an alleyway mm-hmm. in Hell's Kitchen, I can definitely see that working. Yeah. I think they're sorely missing uh, the street-level stuff. I think it's an avenue of their universe they can really help to explore. You know, it's part of their initiative to kind of do these different 
worlds. You know, you have Asgard, you have World War Two, you know, you have Guardians of the Galaxy. But taking it down to the street level is something they haven't done yet in their overall universe. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Stephanie? Um, yeah. I think that could be fun if done right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're doing a really good job with the movies they're putting out so far. Um, so why not? Uh, I think it could be, I, I like you said, it would have to be dark, but, mm. you know, I would I would see that. <laughs> I would pay well, money for that. You can see, you know, Matt Murdock swinging across the street onto, you know, Doctor Strange's odd rooftop with that funky window. And it, yeah. it would be very cool. Uh, Steve, what do you think? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I really uh, love Astonishing X-Men. Let me tell you. Yeah. I think they should do that. (laughs) No, I, uh, well, first of all, the list of characters, uh, he's talking about bringing them together in like a phase that they would all be connected, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could make that work. I I don't know personally that I need another Blade movie. Mm-hmm. But if they're going to do it, I hope they do a good job with it. Mm-hmm. I would love to see another Daredevil movie. I would love for them to bring on some of the the creators of the runs that have been selling well and that we've really been enjoying. I would kill, maybe not kill, but I would go mm-hmm. to great lengths to see uh, Greg Rucka be a consultant on a Punisher movie. Mm-hmm. I think that would be phenomenal. Yeah. Mark Wade on Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Um, just tell one of the really, really good stories. Yeah. Ghost Rider, uh, Ghost Rider's made two movies that, I mean, it's like mystery science theater shit with those things. <laughs> yeah. So if they could, may, I think that the damage has been done with that character, that they would really have their work cut out for them to do it. Um, I am absolutely just ecstatic about the idea of there being a Doctor Strange film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as bringing all the characters together as part of a phase and as part and part of a they're all part of the same universe. If you did it right and you kept the same tone of that this phase was going to be, like we said, the street level characters, that they're kind of in like the back alleys mm-hmm. and stuff like that. If you could keep that throughout the films and have them cross over and have Blade meet Daredevil in a dark alley and they're both going mm-hmm. after vampires mm-hmm. and stuff like that, um, I think it could be a lot of fun. I think that they would definitely have their work cut out for them. I think it would be a little bit more difficult to be believed mm-hmm. by audiences. Um, and they're not, they're not necessarily superheroes, some of them. Mm-hmm. You know, that mixing somebody like Doctor Strange with Ghost Rider or with the Punisher, I mean, what, how are they going to... You're going to have the mob be into magic? Oh, no. no, I've got it already. Oh, please. <laughs> the Punisher takes out somebody that ends up a mystic of one kind or another. Mm-hmm. Now you're already, you've linked. There you go, Marvel. Baron Mordo or whatever. There or you go, whatever. Marvel. Just send the check yeah. over to yeah. TalkingComicBooks.com. Yeah. Um, just real, you know, you just, you go that, he's the head of the Masons, only he's yeah. not the Masons. He's, you right. know, the I th- esoteric order of Dagon. I'll, I'll plug my <laughs> own stuff here. Um, I think that if, I mean, if that is the plan, if that is going to be the wave, I think that it would have to be the most, uh, you know, paid attention to and well-planned move of theirs. The magic thing that they're going to be introducing in the next wave of Doctor Strange, that I think is a much more comfortable and believe it or not, the more believable uh, avenue to, to, to tread upon, but the whole street level thing, 
I think would have to be like you'd have to be right up in there. It'd have to be real gritty, real dark, and co- forming a cohesive link between all the characters. I think would be difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, you could always just ask Bob or us. Yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just want I want another new Daredevil movie so bad. Yeah, I want you know, and I actually kind of like the first Daredevil. Movie, I do too. But it has its moments. Yeah, it definitely has its moments. Seesaw Not, battles and. And I even like the Blade movies too. They're stupid fun. Yeah, I, I love the first, first two. two. Yeah, the first yeah. two first I two really like a lot. Um, the second one especially, I love the second one. Uh, but, I, you know, I the Daredevil. I just I want to see them do. And the thing to bet is the Samney Wade stuff is exactly in tone with what they do with their movies now, so it's almost perfect for them to translate right into it. And to be able, and he's a character also that kind of filters out throughout the Marvel Universe in other ways. The fact that he's a lawyer and he often defends a lot of these other people, he is closely tied with the Punisher and a lot of these other street-level characters, I think would allow you to introduce a lot of the Marvel New York that they mm-hmm. haven't really done yet. Uh, and I, I can't... I, I, th- I think they're definitely going to do it. I, I just... Uh, I can't wait to see it. It's funny because uh, we didn't talk about this in news, but I think Stan Lee was at the Wizard World New York, yeah. and he kind of let it slip that they're doing that Black Panther movie, yeah, which I think is yeah. pretty funny. Just so you might be able to swap out Luke Cage for the Punisher if that is. Mm-hmm. I would love be to have too, to Luke too Cage. gritty into you know his violence as opposed to a superhero yeah. thing. I would love to see a buddy cop movie that was Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Oh, I think it would be. Amazing. I'm there. I'm there twice. For yeah, that one. <laughs> it would be amazing. Um, so yeah, so thank you very much for that question. Um, we got a, um, this was from Joshua and he says, first things first, you guys rock and you also have the best bumper music and podcasting with that out of the way. You guys crushed my soul with this week's past podcast. The consensus Aww. seems to be comic book shops are a dying breed. That's a pretty big bummer to me because that was my dream job when I could retire. I didn't expect to become rich, but may- maybe make enough to keep the shop going and a little change for me and mine. I'm not retiring for another 20 years, and from your podcast, it sounds like my dream is similar to creating uh, an updated 8-track player. Damn. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Remember yeah. that our, our word is not law. We yeah. can't see into the future. Yeah. Uh, well, to be fair, this is the question that you skipped over on my... Oh, that's right. You know, Ooh. And I'm going to add in, and what I was going to say last week... Take a drink. Was, <laughs> what? He said, take Drinking a drink. game. She was, what? Take a shot every time Stephanie's oh, not listening. Oh, yeah. Well, that was last week, though. Yeah. I mean. Anyways. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, yeah. Anyways, I don't think that they're going to die. I think that we always will need retailers. Um, maybe not in for, like, single issues and stuff. Maybe that'll go away and they'll kind of be trade paperbacks and figures and all that. But there will always be people that want to go into the store. And, you know, like... Silver Snail, they make this, they have a coffee shop in there, the Black Canary Cafe. So they get people in there having coffees and sitting and reading comics. And if you do stuff like that, where you kind of modernize your shops and bring in people for, you know, more than just buying comics, it, you know, the traffic is flowing through your store. And whether they, you know, intended to buy a ton of stuff or not, chances are at some point in time or another, they'll pick up something in the store too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's updating with the times and making sure that the employees that people have at the store are helpful and make it so that people want to come into the shop and not force people online. Um, 
figures and all that stuff. I don't want to order them online. The pictures that they have online are almost never what they look like in person. If I'm going to buy, if I'm going to drop $200 for a fancy figure, I want to see what it looks like in person. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I will always go to a store to buy figures if they have them. I will always ask somebody's opinion in a store if I'm unsure of something or I'll ask somebody, you know, online, but I, I want to look through the books myself. I want to hold them in my hands. And there are so many people like that. And I don't think it'll ever completely fade away as long as people, again, keep up with the times. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I agree with you. I agree with you for us. But we are not the ones who are going to determine whether comic shops exist in 20 years or 30 years. It's going to be the people who grew up not caring about that uh, that part of, of the experience. And... I'm not just saying comic book shops are going to be gone. I think you're going to see most major brick-and-mortar retailers are going to be gone in 20 or 30 years. I think you're going to look at a very different landscape very, very soon. Uh, And I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that that is the way I think it's going to end up being. Because if you can run a business without the overhead of having to rent a giant store, it just makes business sense to do it. Well, look at, at the stores that sold media. Yeah, my own included. Mm. We are there are now not bookstores. Borders yeah. is gone. You're down to Barnes and Noble, and they're shrinking. Mm. Record stores, music stores, gone. Yeah. Toronto. Uh, well, not yet, but but it, it's going to moving in that direction yeah. where there's just less and less of them. Where there were seven or eight different chains just here in New York mm-hmm. selling movies yeah. or records or books. We're winnowed down to one or FYE. Yeah. As you know, one store, Blockbuster's completely gone out here. Hollywood went before them. Mm. Best Buy barely sells movies and music. Yeah. Um, those sort of things can be gotten online. I think you'll still see clothing stores, mm-hmm. but the rest of it, I think the only chance is, though, as Stephanie says, you have to do what the stores that are successful are doing. Mm. It's a cafe, it's a meeting place, we have events. Yeah. We have kids' story time. You have to be everything to everybody at once, mm-hmm. which is almost the original sort of five-and-dime department store idea. I'll sell everything that's related to what we do mm-hmm. somehow. But what's the shakeout if there are, what, about 2,500 comic stores in the country at this yeah. point? Which isn't so many in a country of you know 400 million. Right, yeah. I, you know, and I hope I'm wrong. And what I think will end up happening is in cities... You will end up. They will end up being some still that exist. There'll be destination places for people to go, uh, and you might people who are very very savvy who come up with a very good hook to keep their shops open. I think will still exist, but you know I think that twenty five hundred number will go down to a hundred uh, yeah, at the most. Mm-hmm. You know maybe two in a state. Uh, you know in the United States, yeah. uh, mostly in city centers and some cooler towns and stuff like that, but. Uh, uh, that's what I mean. I, I don't think they're going to go completely away. Well, but, uh, I think you're going to get down to a very low number. I don't know. I respectfully disagree, but I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. We, I, we all hope not. I hope not. I definitely hope not. But I just think that's the way that retail is going in general. Well, I, kn- I know what you're saying. Yeah. I just, I mean, I've worked retail for like a really long time. Mm-hmm. I worked retail for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I hear what you're saying and I know what you mean but i think there will always be a need for not just one or two stores in a state or province or whatever i think there will always be more than that well, i hope i hope well, you're right hope. yeah um all right so 
we're going to end listener questions there. Uh, and we're going to wrap up this podcast now. We're going to go talk about the releases that are on the shelves right now. Uh, from Action Lab, we have Princeless, Volume 2, Number 4. It's a great issue. Uh, from Arcana, we have Steam Engines of Oz, Number 1. Uh, from Archie Comics, we have Archie, Number 654. 645, sorry. And Sonic the Hedgehog, Number 250. From Aspen Comics, we have uh, Kara's Magic, Volume 2, number 3. Fathom the Elite Saga, number 3. And Legend of the Shadow Clan, number 5. From Avatar Press, we have Absolution Rubicon, number 1. Night of the Living Dead Aftermath, number 9. And Uber, number 3. From Boom Studios, we have Adventure Time with Fiona and Cake, number 6. Last one. Aliens vs. Parker, number 3 of 4. Clyde Barker's Next Testament, number two of 12. Deathmatch, number seven. Garfield, number 15. Polarity, number four. And Suicide Risk, number three. From Dark Horse, we have 47 Ronin, number five of five. Abe Sapien, number four. We've got Catalyst Comics, number one. Emily and the Strangers, number three. We've got uh, Michael Avanoming's The Victories, number three of five. Mr. X Eviction, number three of three. From DC Comics, we have Action Comics, number 22, Emmy Coming Girls, number 5, Batman Incorporated, number 12, Batwing, number 22, we've got Detective Comics, number 22, Dial H, number 14, Earth 2, number 14, yeah. Ferrist, number 17, Green Arrow, number 22, Green Lantern, number 22, Legends of the Dark Knight, number 10, Movement, number 3, Yay. Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, number 35, Stormwatch, number 22, Swamp Thing, number 22, Trinity of Sin, Pandora, number one, and Trinity of Sin, The Phantom Stranger, number ten. From Dynamite, we have Bionic Woman, number ten, Jennifer Blood's First Blood, number six of six. Um, We have Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files, Ghoul Goblin, number five, Mark Wade's The Green Hornet, number three, Owl, number one, Red Sonia, number 78, Shadow, number 15, and Warlords of Mars, Deja Thoris, number 26. From IDW, We've got G.I. Joe Special Missions, number four. Um, the Trey Paperback of Highways comes out this week. Ah. Uh, Transformers Monstrosity, number two, and Transformers. i trying to remember what I said last week, but that doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. Robots in Disguise? That is correct. Yes. Number hey. 19. Uh, Image Comics, Age of... This is Image Comics, Age of Bronze, number 33. Black Acre, number eight. Dark Skull Kickers Dark, number one. <laughs> five Weapons, number five of five. Invincible Universe, number four. Mask and Mobsters, volume one, hardcover, which is the nice. print of a monkey brain book. Uh-huh. Mice Templar, number four. Legend, number four. Satellite Sam, number one. Sweet. Yeah. Spawn, number 233. Ten Grand, number three. And Thief of Thieves, number 15. For Marvel Comics, Avengers, number 15. Avengers AI, number one. Daredevil Dark Knights, number two. The hardcover of Daredevil End of Days. We have Deadpool Kills Deadpool, number one. <laughs> Dexter, number one. Emerald City of Oz, number one. Yay. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Tomorrow's Avengers, number one, which is a one-shot. Hmm. Oh, we have Iron Man, number 12. We've got Red She-Hulk, number 67, which is the last, last issue. one. We have Superior Foes of Spider-Man, number one. Oh, We've yeah. got Thunderbolts, number 12. Venom, number 37. What If AVX, number one of four. And X-Men Legacy, number 13. Should be yes. What If It Didn't Happen would be better. <laughs> from Valiant Entertainment, we have Shadow Man, number eight. And from Zenoscope, Grim Fairy Tales presents Oz, number one. 
Werewolves the Hunger, number two, and Screwed, number two, which we won't speak badly about. Um, (laughs) So that's it uh, for the podcast for this week. If you guys want to get in touch with us at Talking Comics on Twitter, info at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address, and Facebook.com slash Talking Comics is the Facebook, uh, and TalkingComicBooks.com is obviously the website. Uh, Now, even though I will not be here for the next two weeks, Again, I said you're getting podcasts, and also, again, people will be manning the Twitter and the Facebook and email and the site, so don't worry, it's not going to stop. So if you guys want to write in, either we'll answer your questions that way, or we'll save them, and we'll do them when we come back uh, uh, on a more weekly basis. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve's? Mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Stephanie? I'm at Hello Cookie. And Bob? Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. All right, so that is it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Steve, Huzzah, Bob, Tata, and Stephanie, Toodaloo. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>